Wardcast episode 85. Go. 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 Oh. <laughs> All right, everyone talking at the same time. Go, I'm Whoa, talking. Look at this, talking, awesome. talking, this, talking. Uh, Will, you are talking. What's going on? Did I miss it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Dylan Alvento, and I'm joined by Alex Damrath. There you go. You got it. Damn, Damrath. Here come the jokes. Damn. Hell hath no Damrath. Like, like Alex. That's yeah. Scorned. Yeah. There you go. It's good. That other voice you hear. It's my friend, Will Blanton. That's the one. That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that one. Implying that Alex isn't my friend. Alex is also my friend. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. How you doing? How you doing, Alex? I'm doing pretty well. Yeah. I'm, yeah. How's it's, life? It's been good. It's been good. Regular D&D sessions. Keep Ooh. you in shape. Yeah. Um, Keep you in shape. Yeah. <laughs> Keep exactly. your mind honed. Right. With dice rolling hands, like more muscly <laughs> than it ever has been. Uh <laughs> that's a good so, just a versatile hand <laughs> um you know if you use your left hand to roll dice it feels like somebody else is rolling your dice <laughs> should give that a shot <laughs> so gotta ease into it it's not as strong to begin with right right what are you what are you playing tell me about your campaign uh it is being led by an old college roommate and it's mostly college buddies and uh fiance who's uh uh, hasn't had a campaign in a while. And also fiance. Also fiance is there. Yeah. She wasn't a roommate, but she is there. Are you doing this local? Uh, we are doing it. Uh, we've got like two people in Savannah, one in California. So it's actually, it's all over Discord and we're using a tabletop simulator. This episode brought to you by Tabletop Simulator. Tabletop Simulator for all your tabletop simulation needs. Yes. It's a game on <laughs> Steam. It's been an early access for like two years, but it works pretty well. So you can pick it up if you feel like. Uh, I think I have it. Yeah, you can play <laughs> board games over the internet. Yeah, with I was other just people. like, this looks good. I own sixty-five percent of Steam's back catalog, yeah. so I'm sure I own it. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's pretty good for for getting board games together across the internet. Nick and, and Joe use it, I believe, for mm. instant replay live. Oh, when yeah. they do their role playing sessions, because it has like a whole like virtual like tabletop right. setup and stuff. So like the DM can actually create like virtual maps with like multiple levels and sort of thing. You can pick up pieces and move it around. Can you like import custom uh, models yes, as your piece? actually. And I am actually making some custom models for our campaign because nice. we don't have anyone that looks like our characters that we can get from like the Steam Workshop. So you're like, here you go, guys. And it's like a really model. What's what class are you playing? Uh, I'm a barbarian. A really nicely modeled barbarian. Then everyone else is just penises. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's start the campaign. <laughs> So it's going to be my usual, like, crappy, low poly, super colorful style. I think that'll look good. That's a good, that's a good look. Yeah. Uh, I asked if it was local because you said it was college buddies. And I know you went to the Savannah College of Art and Design. That's the one. Yeah. Um, So I was like, wait, so did a bunch of SCAD kids graduate and then just move into Richmond? (laughs) Being dominated by SCAD alum? Oddly enough, one of the guys in this campaign is from my high school. Um, and I met him at SCAD. Well, I, I met him at my high school, but when he came to SCAD, he was like, hey, I knew you from this time. And like, we became closer friends through that. And they were, were you both the same major and both the same graduation year? Uh, no, he was a year behind me. Um, and I went into interaction design, game development. He went into visual effects. Okay. Yeah. It's more his bag of tea. In high school, were you just like, eh, I don't like, I don't like this guy. 
<laughs> I hope I never I have she to... was pretty cool <laughs> I hope I never have to have extended interactions with this guy <laughs> that's like everybody I hated in high school like every time I see him now they're like oh my god how are you <laughs> like get the fuck away from me that's how yeah. I am no we were we were friends in high school like I'd say for the most part so when we got together in college it was it was pretty good well, that's always good yeah the uh do you want to I, I meant to ask you last time you were on do you want to talk about your 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 education at all Oh, geez. Just, uh, just in general, general overview of because, I mean, none of us were game design majors. It's a weird major to be a part of, man. It's still like something that I sort of wrestle with on a daily basis. Like, did I really do that? Because um, <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I paid a lot of money to essentially network really, really well, which I'm sort of fine with. But at the same time, I probably could have learned a lot of what I learned on my own. Mm-hmm. Um I had one class that was essentially an introduction to UE4, and that sort of changed the course of my development skills quite a bit because I used to be hardcore Unity until that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I still am. Like, like I'm still like an advocate for like Unity is still really, really good, guys. So, like when we were having the chat on the Slack the other day about you know fights. Our, between... RVA Game Jam Slack. Check yeah. it out. <laughs> uh, about like different engines and different strengths and something. I'm like, I'm not trying to argue that one is better than the other. They both have some great, great strengths, you know, but I've just been enjoying UE4 development a lot more. I feel like it moves faster for me. The part that I heard, um, I, I don't know if it was in that conversation, but I heard, and I, might have, I think I've brought this up before, but UE4's asset management is like amazing. Just their streamlined pipeline. So yeah. obviously like 90% of Unity developers are like small scale teams. But if you're working at a large scale, like in an actual studio, UE4 is really good for just getting assets in, getting them out, manipulating them, doing stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, my my education, I guess, to just sort of like blow through it. I mean, it was... Yeah, give me four years and, and ten minutes. <laughs> uh, well, because it was an art school, first year was like basics. I had to take a drawing class. I had to take a painting class. I had to take a color theory class. I mean, it was awful um wait really yeah freshman year everyone hates you know especially if you're not in any like major that takes advantage of that a a visual painting or like illustration or something then then that all sucks right um then you get to like computer art like final semester of freshman year and that's kind of cool you get into some modeling you get into some photoshop uh and then second year that's where things really start to kick in we had a class on game design uh we had two of those uh we actually made D&D modules and board games to sort of get the feel of like what makes a game tick, what makes it work, uh, the interconnectivity of which. Uh, that's where I read Jesse Shell's book and became a big fan of his. Uh, let's see. After that, there's like segmented development pipelines in year three uh, where we get classes on creating a level as a team, uh, creating game design mechanics as a team, uh, working through art pipelines. It's very, very overhead it it covers so much ground and doesn't give you a ton of focus um they're actually overhauling the system on my way out my final year i got to sort of pick whether i wanted to go art or tech and this is something they're going to start offering to freshmen after i left um where you could sort of choose whether or not you wanted to focus on programming and the technical aspect of it or the art and design aspect of it. Which 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 did you? Do? I went programming. Okay, that's something I felt I immediately was drawn more to. Uh, SCAD definitely demands a triple uh, A quality out of its artists because it wants you to be hired, obviously. Um, so it's like if you're going to work for a big studio, you want to be able to make big studio models, big studio textures. You know, you want your art to be plus ultra, 
you know mega textures yeah exactly talking like 4k and that sort of thing um so yeah i i went tech aspect um i ended up actually walking out of there pretty proud of myself i was told not directly but i had one friend who i still keep in close contact with he's uh working on some cool stuff um he was close friends with one of our teachers and apparently not to me but that teacher told my friend that he was really impressed that i was like the only one in my class who was able to make games on my own so like i didn't have any outside help for a couple projects that i was able to present in my portfolio that were just like complete games we should go to scadwell blow him out of water <laughs> What's the solo game dev? I'll show you solo game dev. Yeah. <laughs> do you do you like miss that like kind of triple A focus? Uh was that fun for you or was it like not particularly. I feel like I walked out of there aware that I wasn't ready for triple A game design, but that was fine with me. Yeah. You know, I'm like deep in student loans, but <laughs> I'm happy and that's fine, you know. I've gotta like <laughs> there's some scad just recruiter just like right. some scad recruiters just listening biting its nails like I will say scad are are very happy yeah well I mean I've said that they actually right. they get back to me and they're you know like are you happy I'm like yes actually you know I may not be doing what I got in there to do right. but that's cool but the yeah. knowledge is yeah important. the knowledge is cool uh, scad mainly what you're paying for is a lot of really really great networking they they bring in a lot of industry veterans a lot of talks uh i met mike rice uh executive producer of simpsons my first year there oh um, cool yeah just had like a straight up conversation with him like it's it's a great way to sort of meet people in whatever industry they offer those opportunities all the time to anyone doesn't matter what major you're in and uh yeah that's really rad yeah uh favorite talk i'll throw out there lead animator on Skullgirls. uh she was fantastic you're a big skull oh, girls yeah. fan right yeah um yeah, I mean, do you guys know Paul Robertson? Nah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Really? I learned uh, through her that they dated because I just asked her. Oh, yeah? I just asked her, like... <laughs> like, like Have so you ever you... dated Paul Robertson? Well, no, I was like, uh, so you worked on Scott Pilgrim the game. What's Paul Robertson like? And she's like, oh, uh, we might have been lovers for a while. <laughs> it's like, oh, all right. <laughs> uh, content, yeah. Who's Paul Robertson? He makes crazy pixel art, like, like wild, cool stuff. So the pixel all... art that's in... The Scott Pilgrim game? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. He's like one of those three people that if you Google like really great pixel art, he's like easily. He's in, he does a lot of tribute? stuff with tribute. Yeah, okay. yeah he's, okay. he's the tribute games guy. Cool. Cool. I really like Flint Hook. Flint yeah. Hook looks really good. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, like him and uh, Abyss Wolf. Oh, yeah. I see a lot of. Yeah. So. um, Did you hear? Uh, I can only remember her Twitter handle, Kino Kino Cake. That's it. Yeah. Uh, did you hear her GDC talk about animate limited frame animation? No, I didn't. It's good. Okay. Yeah. That year that I don't remember what it was, but that was like by far my favorite uh, talk at GDC. Yeah. Started, you there or did you watch yeah. it in the vault? Okay. And I watched it in vault like several times every day. <laughs> I think we did it the library meetup once too. Cool. Nice. I uh, I followed her on Tumblr like right after that talk, and she's a I mean she's an awesome person. Yeah, yeah, she's insanely good at what she does. Yeah, I really like that. I really like that the games industry or like individual creators, you can still reach out to them, even if it's like cold calling, cold calling, <laughs> even if it's cold calling, which is what I do sometimes, like especially like inviting people on. Yeah, she's like, hey, you know, saw you on Twitter, heard about something, could we have you on? 
it's it's nice it's nice like sometimes you get the cold shoulder don't get a response back which is fine people yeah. are busy or people don't want to talk to you or whatever the reasoning <laughs> is but for the most part there's still a good sense of camaraderie yeah i yeah. think i think the the problems occur when certain business structures are built around it i'm not saying all business structures oh, yeah, yeah. are inherently bad but yeah i think the games industry is still figuring that out definitely especially since the internet is so ubiquitous that people stories just are just going to constantly get out about you know working conditions and things like that right mm-hmm. but the individual like talking to a person one-on-one is still a great experience i met john romero once and i was just like uh have you played <laughs> brutal doom <laughs> <laughs> yes it made me its bitch <laughs> oh man he's he's like huddled away in ireland now can't yeah. get a hold of him yeah I love I love the uh, the Romeros, just in general. Yeah, mm-hmm. John and Brenda. Yeah, they're just really interesting people. <laughs> I know nothing about. Isn't don't they teach now? Aren't they like professors somewhere or something? I don't know. Steve uh, Buttkiss, um, who was on my good. Just, all right, get it out, get it out, Will. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> just stay strong. Uh, Steve, who was on my Global Game Jam team, mm-hmm. and. He went, oh, where did he go to school? He went somewhere in California. Uh, University of Southern California, somewhere. Oh, maybe, no, maybe it was Berkeley. I don't remember. But he had John Romero as a as a professor uh, yeah. from one of his classes. That was really cool. He's like, yep, just got my shit torn apart every class by John <laughs> Romero. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. That's pretty neat. I do have one cool professor story. Uh, I was taught under Jack Mamias for two classes lead designer of crisis oh. uh, producer on the very first spyro um i mean big industry veteran and he spends half of his year teaching actually while he was teaching at the same time uh his brother works for cd project red and he was providing design consultation for cyberpunk 2077 Ooh, when's that coming yeah. out when is that coming out <laughs> 2077 2077 yeah. pretty yeah. much 2078 yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's actually going to be prophetic and the entire world's going to look like that game when it comes out <laughs> It's just going to be like Second Life. <laughs> yeah, uh, there have been rumblings that maybe that game will show up at E3 this year since Ooh. we're, what, two, three years separated from Witcher now? Yeah, yeah, it could be. Well, I mean, they spent all their time on Gwent, so. <laughs> <laughs> we're shutting down development on Cyberpunk to continue work on Gwent. Yeah. Gwent 2. We're going to get, we're going to put hats in Gwent. Oh, God. <laughs> Loot boxes in Gwent. It already has loot boxes. Oh yeah, I guess yeah, with booster packs. So that, yeah, they, they actually, I like how they do it. They have a troll who's just carrying like lots of barrels on his back, and uh, you pay him the in-game currency, and he just grabs a barrel out and like crushes it, and then cards fly out. <laughs> Trolls in that game are cool. Yeah, cool, stupid, bumbling idiot enemies. Mm-hmm. Those card games. It's all about the presentation. Yeah, the Pokemon digital card game has really bad presentation. Yeah. it's it. just like super digital like neon it looks like the game grid out of tron and like oh, one like of, the map in breath of the wild kind of yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not <laughs> i'm not i'm not gonna we're not we're not, we're not backsliding back into <laughs> breath of the wild talk unless you want to no. unless you've played some the hey, come on will have you played it yet i need some donations <laughs> <laughs> Well, All the RBA game jam donations go to getting Will a Switch <laughs> and Breath of the Wild. <laughs> so you can play it. <laughs> you never knew. 
support my Patreon. Buy me a Switch. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you how much I hate Breath of the Wild. <laughs> yeah, but like you said, good, good fun all around. And your yeah. time in SCAD? I made a lot of friends. I know a lot of people in some high places now. Uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I, I met Jack Mamias, who uh, I could tell you all sorts of stories about one day. Um, I could honestly fill this podcast with, with Jack Mamias stories, and chances are I don't want him to hear them. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll do those off air then. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. How you been, Will? I've uh, been pretty good. Tell me about VCU Comarts. <laughs> Tell me about your AFO stories. Oh, God. Uh, uh, AFO, man. How about that? How about that? How about that? That I program it, I never did. <laughs> I think it's like, I, I feel like it's gotten a little bit better. It was not very fun when I was there. Was it a gauntlet? Nah, it was like, it was all like super, I don't know. Like, so we had like a perspective class and I was just like, Man, come on, how to draw the Marvel way when I was like in like third grade. Can, can we skip this, please? <laughs> and I remember I didn't go to a single class because I like I went once and he was just like, here's the curriculum. And I looked at it and I was like, what? Like this is this is something that you could literally teach in like an hour. You know, if if you're teaching people that are actually interested in art school, like it's perspective, like. Who's doing like one point, two point birds? Oh, eye. you mean like literal perspective, yeah, not yeah. like the perspective of art. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> let's analyze. And so I did. Like, I ended, I tried to go to a couple of classes, but since I missed a few, like it was like they kept moving around to like draw different hallways or something. Oh yeah, I've seen people like <laughs> sitting in the park, Ugh. like drawing buildings. Yeah, getting their two D perspective on. And so like every time I'd try to go, it'd be like we're actually here, and I'd be like, uh, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and so the last day I brought in this like huge piece of paper that would like detailed like all these different like weird ways to do perspective like four point and like all these different curves and stuff like that. And he was just like, I mean, I'll give you a C. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> fair enough. My I had a professor uh, at Tidewater who used to teach at VCU. He was one of my art professors. He taught my drawing one class and he took a group of kids to Hollywood Cemetery to do perspective drawing because right. you can see i guess you can see the city skyline really well there and there's this guy who is doing one of his drawings and my professor comes up behind him and he's like what are you what are you drawing he's like oh i'm drawing that skyscraper over there except you could obviously see the top of the, the <laughs> roof of the building right in his drawing and he looks at me he's like can you see the roof from where you're looking he's like no but i know it's there aha you just drew like a diamond just imagine like three lines going up and then a diamond like facing you to be the roof of the building he's like if you could see that that means the building is falling towards you (laughs) that man has not mastered object spatial relations yes i don't know i was i wasn't too keen on vcu don't feel like you got a lot out of it uh no but i mean at the same time that was before i kind of like realized that you get a lot of what you put in so like i feel like i could have probably reasoned with the teachers and been like look like uh, i'm i'm not a great artist or anything but i like this is all like super rudimentary can i do like some kind of like self-led curriculum or something even when you were in commerce uh well i never i i was i was going into illustration school 
which I guess is part of. I don't know. It was Comarch now? I'm. I'm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess what used to be the illustration track is now Comarch. Right. But no. So when I when I got into that, it was just like, um, we would have like a lot of guest speakers, and every guest speaker that came was like unemployed as an artist and was like working at Walmart, <laughs> and I was like, I don't think I can do this. Like, I'm like way too stressed about about this to like end up at Walmart. So. I was just like, I'm not doing this anymore. BCU had no fear. Yeah. <laughs> just I'm like, yeah, give them whatever. Right. <laughs> Teach them the reality. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty bad. This guy was just like, we're going to get you a job. We're going to show you that artists get employed. And like, <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. I did not get that impression from my time at VCU. Which is funny because VCU is a public school, so they would have to publish job numbers. Right. SCAD doesn't because they're a private school. Really? Yeah. Okay. They tell us every day. They're just like, yeah, like 70% of our students. Well, no, I mean, like, they can voluntarily do it, but they're not required by the state. Oh, really? Okay. Or at least maybe that's different in Georgia. I don't know. But I know at the very least in Virginia, if you're a public school, public university, you have to publish your your employment numbers. Well, I mean, every, every, everyone I personally know that graduated from VCU is like doing pretty well for themselves. So that's good to hear. Did you see Emily's friend? Uh, who was a com arts major and there uh, she tweeted about it that their roommate just straight up just left their apartment they they like sublet to some random uh, girl and she just left in the night with all of her stuff and left them with like fifteen hundred dollars left on the on the rent that she never paid huh so they're doing like a goFundMe Christ nah. I was like wow that's shitty and then I that kind of happened to me too. Really? Yeah, but it was okay. We're friends now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it worked out for you. <laughs> it was it was cool because like it was I only had one roommate, and when he like left, I was like stuck with the bill, which sucked. But like also like I could walk around naked in the apartment, so fair deal. Yeah, <laughs> it's a win win. Yeah, <laughs> win win. Lose win. Lose win. Yeah, win win. <laughs> The uh, but yeah, I was super mad. I was like, oh, I can't believe they did this to this this poor person. And then I looked at the person's like art portfolio. I was like, oh wow, this is a really good drawing. And then like I was just distracted by <laughs> the person's art. <laughs> Make sure you get some commission to help. <laughs> um, cool. So, Alex, yeah, I brought you here. You can talk to me about Far Cry. Oh sure, yeah. We can... Oh well, what was the other thing? Well, no, I was just gonna <laughs> ask you. I was just gonna ask what you've been playing. Oh, uh, I was going to thank you for, for coming on the podcast with us. And then I was going to ask you what you were playing. But no, you brought Far Cry. So that's what we're going to talk about. Okay, so we can do that. I so, also, yeah, okay, we do Far Cry. So to preface, Far Cry 5 got announced. Uh, they put out like a small teaser trailer like a week ago. Did you see that? No. Did you see that, Alex? Yeah, I've been following the trailers. It's pretty cool because it's just like a welcome to Hope County thing. So it takes place in Montana, oh. as, as it was rumored. And then it's just like going across this cornfield or whatever. And then you can get, hear a bell ringing. And then it cuts to the, the the church. And there's a guy just slamming another guy's head into the bell tower. Into the bell in the bell tower. It's just ringing out. And that's Was that the whole trailer? So that was the teaser. And then they right. did the announcement yeah, yesterday. The the whole trailer is like unveils this as this big, uh, like, sprawling green rolling hills, Montana middle of nowhere small town where this cult has taken over and it's and it's fanatic it's murderous everyone's like in danger and uh so you're gonna play the one guy who can go in 
save everyone. <laughs> yeah, they didn't. They didn't clarify like who. They said you can customize the avatar, like be right. male or female, but they didn't say if like this is like a federal agent that's gonna right. go in. I was gonna right. say like this sounds like a job for Janet Reno or something. Like. <laughs> and they've done. They've revealed three trailers for three sidekicks that yeah. you can pick. There's like character yeah. vignettes. So it was like uh, a priest, a black priest. Which that one, that was probably my favorite one. Because yeah. he's just sitting in like his bombed out church, like reading from his Bible and just talking about like how the situation's gone to shit. And then it, the camera comes around and over his shoulder and the Bible has been carved out and there's just a revolver in it. <laughs> and then he just pulls it out and like picks up a shotgun and puts on like a tactical vest and yeah. walks out. But he's still in his uh, regalia and his, you know. He's got his collar. He's right, got his collar exactly. and everything. The, uh, yeah, it's very much like a Waco, Texas Bundy occupation kind of thing. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Yeah. I think it's fun narrative territory, especially for a Far Cry game. Yeah. It's it's definitely like I can't think of another game that sort of has created this kind of mood and established itself in just like, you know, a conflict just set in middle America, you know? I mean there's I mean there have been things like what was it? Homefront, which takes place in America or oh, like that. some of the So Homefront is is about it's kinda of like a uh Fuck, what's that? What's that? Rising Sun? No, what's that movie called? Where the Chinese invade. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah. But the home front's North Korea invades okay. America. Or, That's or how like, the new one was, too, I think. Yeah, yeah, they switched the it movie. from China to North Korea. What was that? But I'm just thinking, like... What was it? Yeah. What do you mean? It's like on the tip of my tongue. Oh, what's movie. the name of it? Yeah. I don't know. I forget. Something. But it's not like, you know wartime you're just going up against regular fanatics like right. regular people who are sort of swept up in a political it's interesting yes it's yeah. very, i love all the jokes i've been seeing on twitter like you know tear down pop- propaganda posters get an achievement called fake news <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good yeah yeah there was some guy freaking out it's like this is unpatriotic and someone responded was like you know if this were a game about a tackling inner city gang violence you'd be cheering about it he's like (laughs) this guy was like name a game that does that and he's like grand theft auto saints row swat uh battlefield hardline and he just kept he named like 40 games one through (laughs) yeah true crime payday kane and lynch (laughs) so yeah i think actually the sidekick trailers gave it the sense that this is very american you know rising up to defend your homestead you know it's it's yeah. everyone's practicing their second amendment rights in those trailers yeah uh, definitely yeah well, all those three characters all have their oh well she had no. she had like a a a she ran a bar right and she was like protecting her her home bar it was like her family's bar and she was just lining all of the cabinets with molotov cocktails like but that was that was her she thing. also had a rifle against the bar stool that's true she also had yeah. a, she had a rifle so and then the pilots one was cool so it was like a, a bush pilot and he like has his family's plane and like his father and grandfather like were in the air force and they flew right planes in the military and he just pulls a sheet off this minigun and then just mounts the minigun on his like little bush <laughs> plane then spins the barrel it's this giant 50 caliber gatling gun it's great the trailers are all like this formula of of just talking about their history with the town and their family and like how much they love it here and then like i'll be damned if it goes to them and it like zooms out a little bit and you see like oh shit they're they're fully armed (laughs) this sounds pretty interesting yeah yeah it looks really cool i don't know if it'll be as cool as blood dragon 
I don't think anything's going to be as cool as Blood Dragon. Ever again. <laughs> <laughs> just, just put some some VHS artifacting on, on the screen and we're halfway there, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we were having an interesting conversation because I was saying, like, Far Cry 2 is probably the last Far Cry game that I truly felt, like, really attached to. Um, Blood Dragon was the last one I played, though, and at least enjoyed myself, like, you, a lot. But you played 3? Uh, I played a little bit of 3, yeah, before I got, like, super bored dropped it and i was a reverse because i mean i played a decent amount of two i think i put like 30 hours into it something around there maybe more okay but there was a lot of stuff and this is kind of like the main the main conversation i kind of want to have about these games there's a lot of stuff getting in the way of the quote-unquote fun Mm -hmm. of it you know you had your weapons that would jam you had vehicles that kind of like were very heavy to steer and drive around you had your malaria pills you had uh, the checkpoints or like the the hideouts where all the enemies were. The second you clear one out and drive away, drive back five minutes later, they'd all respond. You yeah. had, you know, the diamond hunting that was actually kind of cool because all you had was the little ping on your on your little receiver. Mm-hmm. It 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 felt very disjointed. You had the you had the permadeath sidekicks that sometimes they would die, kind of outside your control. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were kind of cool because if you went down in battle, they would pick you up. And they would like it's a really cool vignette of like you fading in and out of consciousness and them dragging you like outside the battle zone and then reviving you somehow and then you have to heal yourself. The coolest part is the perpetual that they've had in all the Far Cry games, at least in two and three, is you know, your self healing, just like, oh I got a bullet wound in my arm, here's <laughs> yeah. a road flare, I'm just gonna <laughs> cauterize the wound. <laughs> or I have this, you know, I have a bullet stuck in me, I'm gonna take a pair of pliers and rip it out, or I have a uh one of my finger bones has been disconnected like or, all of your injuries happen to your hands that are yeah, conveniently yeah. in front of the camera because <laughs> i haven't modeled anything else <laughs> right so i thought the trappings of far cry 2 were really cool but it wasn't fun to play okay and that's a big hold up for me even though i'm a big proponent of storytelling and and kind of mechanicalist games if a game is going to actually have kind of systems and mechanics i want to be i want to enjoy it it's very rare when I work through the frustration of a game. Mm-hmm. So games like, you know, we were talking about before we started games like Monster Hunter games, like XCOM games, like Dark Souls games, like like very systems. It's much more about like, no, we're, we're going to chew you through this gauntlet of the mechanics first mm-hmm. before you're going to be able to be a master. I'm more like, no, you, you got to gradually you got to glide me into things and also it being fun from the outset and being fun from the end. I'm OK with difficulty, mm-hmm. but still. OK, All right. It's kind of frustrating. I have that same thing with like JRPGs. Yeah. Or just like it's so slow to start up. I can't get into them. Or fighting games. Like, but but things like JRPGs and fighting games are a little different because they're more about the the archaic knowledge. Mm-hmm. How there's, you know, you're supposed to have all this previous knowledge of how these things are supposed to work. More so fighting games than JRPGs. But JRPGs, there's, there's kind of like a setup. It's like, okay, first you're going to be in the intro area and you're going to not having your powers is going to be like kind of like a day in the life kind of scenario and then something's going to happen and then you're going to be caught up in this windswept adventure and go off into this thing or you could start off with like crazy powers and, and you then lose have them all stripped away so like the, <laughs> the metroid yeah. Yeah. way of storytelling which is pretty unique mechanically i, I yeah. don't know a lot of games other games that do that that have you just start off i feel like a lot of form. um i mean maybe not like that insane but i feel like a lot of games will start you off with like craziness mm-hmm. i can't think of any maybe f- does final fantasy 4 do that where like you start off and you're like 
this badass knight for the system. And then you're like, what we're doing is wrong. <laughs> I, yeah, it beats me. I've never played four. So it's funny that you bring up fighting games just because I feel like that's knowledge that you learn yourself or learn through experience. It was definitely something that to me, fighting games were just like, oh, I just button mash, you know? And it was, wasn't until in college I had my, like all four of my roommates were all big fighting game players. And like we got into Skullgirls, we got into Blaze Blue, Street Fighter, like whatever we could pick up. And like starting to have this layer of competition to it, of other people egging you on, of getting into this community for it. Uh, I found myself like one evening just picking up Skullgirls on my own in my room and just like running drills, going through training and like practicing combos against like a dummy. And it was like I had to pause for a second and go, wait a minute. I'm practicing a video game. <laughs> Dang, like, better like, I train. A, like I would a sport. And that's why fighting games are so cool to me. I can't think of another game where I've done that, where I've just like I had to sit down and like, wait a sec, if I'm going to get better and like beat my friends then i have to actually like put in a lot of effort mm -hmm. and so that's what's really cool to me about that but there's still when i and when i say archaic knowledge like like you mentioned you had a community that you had to work around and i'm sure they taught you like okay here's a quarter turn kick here's this here's that here's you know here's how you do a fireball here's how you do an uppercut here's how you do a fatality and like something like moral combat like and all those moves are on a move list but there's no and I mean, it's been a while since I played a fighting game, so I don't know how like tutorialization has advanced since then. But in a lot of fighting games, it's very much pause screen. Here's your move list. Figure it out. Have fun. I will say that Skullgirls probably has the best tutorial I've ever seen. Um, they go over everything that you just like complained about. Like this is a this is a half circle, and like they have a little animation in the bottom, like show you how to move your stick and that sort of thing. Uh, they cover you. It's like 20 different training segments and then one for each individual character so you can learn all their quirks and it's just like from beginners to intermediate to advanced techniques but even at that point that i mean yeah it's 20 bits of tutorial sure yeah and and but <laughs> and but also like the 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 concept of a quarter turn on a controller is still so alien to me because mm -hmm. it's like no other game system uses this this is this is isolated only to fighting games and it's such a precise expecting thing. Like, I don't know. It just kind of like I like smashes where it's like left, right, up, down, and then plus smash in any direction, yeah. plus B in any direction. And that's your move set. It is weirdly archaic given that it's coming from arcade joysticks yeah. where yeah. you had like that more precise input and you could do that. Also, like the arcade experience. Like, I feel like a lot of games you try to get better so you can experience like more of the game or get more into the story or experience this experience that but with uh fighting games it's like i'm i'm like playing all this just so i can get better so like i can beat my friends and stuff you know right this is like a way different experience because it's yeah. not like because like with other games like a first person shooter for example you could go and play a first person shooter online and there's going to be a skill curve that you will eventually kind of learn tactics of like, here's how I'll hide, here's how I'll sneak around, here's how I'll shoot, this is how quick I have to be on the draw. But in fighting games, there's already that level of like, here's your move, here's your skill set, here's your move list. Like, 
here's your meter, here's your burst, here's all these, here's your chip, this is chip damage, this is shielding, this is health, etc., etc. That's like, if you go into an online match, you're dealing with people that have 10, 15 years worth of back knowledge. Yeah. So, yeah. How, so I've definitely got my ass handed to me more than once online. And then, and my goal wasn't here to, to kind of shit on fighting games, but there there's... Well, it's a genre that's kind of been on its own for a while. Kind of like shmups, too. Like, modern shmups just have so many weird quirks that, like, you know, like, you think about a shmup and you're just thinking about, like, a biplane that's scrolling up that's, like, shooting other biplanes and then maybe, like, a robot. But, like, newer shmups are just, like, the score multipliers depending on how much gold you collect from it. And it's just, like, these, like, layers and layers of, like, weird abstract mechanics that, like, only makes sense if you've been playing shmups like when we tried to market redshift blue shift to like shmup players it was like some of them really loved it because it was like unlike a lot of shmups but some people were just like why would why would we ever care about this because it's like so stripped so down. far removed from like shmup language yeah and i feel like fighting games are the same thing but like weirdly fighting games still like uh, kind of like shmups don't really hold a big part in like a lot of like modern everyday gamers like but fighting games are still like huge i mean we have tournaments every year big yeah ones. huge tournaments yeah it's <laughs> like superstars now like it's crazy yeah yeah like i actually know names yeah <laughs> i would not have known names like a year ago it's, Unless, the, it's the same thing with mobas too yeah yeah, it's like yeah. mobas like it has this wall Right. And then a very toxic community. <laughs> and Overwatch, which I'd like to get back to at some point, which is now like, well, it's one year now and it's heading into its next World Cup. And, you know, CSGO is that and they're just ah, competitive gaming. So cool to me. Mm-hmm. So bringing it back a little bit. Yeah. Back to Far Cry for a second. And you and you can talk about how more about how you feel about Far Cry 2. But my, okay. my, my main point is we're at this crossroads, right? Mm-hmm. Where... We're really interested, or some people are really interested in the in the story of Far Cry Five and what it's trying to say about modern American politics, modern American mindset, and in the the Midwest and conservatism and all and all of these things. But at the same time, it wants to be a very fun, enjoyable first person shooter. So that means you're going to have to kill a bunch of people in <laughs> and do a bunch of things. And they, and you know, modern game designers, especially ones in games where the, the main interaction with the world is violence. They have to find a way to both make a story that's interesting and semi-plausible to justify you murdering hundreds of people. Yeah. And it's the constant joke with Nathan Drake and Uncharted is that he's the world's greatest mass murderer because, you know, how many <laughs> faceless guards has he ever killed in, you know, the, the four games. And there's there's going to be this, I believe there's going to be this weird reckoning where game developers are going to kind of have to pick a side of all right we either want to make a really fun game that uses violence as one of its primary mechanics and kind of eschew story or we want to make a very engrossing interesting story eschewing some fun gameplay Mm -hmm. so and and that's the main criticisms you hear about things like walking simulators adventure games and those types of games is they have very engrossing stories, but sometimes the mechanics leave a lot to be desired by mainstream gamers. But we can't just have people, 
We can't just have you walking around murdering dozens of people and then have the character be a sympathetic person. Mm-hmm. Like we had this problem way back with GTA 4 where Nico Bellic was a very interesting, sympathetic character. <laughs> he was this immigrant. He was telling this immigrant's tale of life in America and life in the big city and life in New York. But he was running over pedestrians <laughs> depending on how you played it as him. And yeah. so there's this ludonarrative dissonance that people quite haven't handled yet. And big AAA developers aren't going to be the ones that, that are going to say, okay, well, we're going to take some of the gunplay out or have you only shoot every once in a while. And so the story makes more sense because they're trying to sell in GameStop and gamers are going to be like, what the, f- no, fuck you, fuck that. What? You <laughs> right. know, and Battlefield yeah. Hardline kind of tried to draw that line with like, okay, you flash your badge and the person and the perp puts his hands up and you, and you cuff them. Yeah. So I really think the setup for Far Cry 5 is interesting. I think they're going to have a lot of trouble justifying however they they do it. I think several games do get around that very well. I think uh, the new Doom and Doom always. Right. Where it's just like, it feels like this is like super hardcore and satanic game and stuff. But it's like, yeah, but who has a problem with shooting demons? You know, like. Right. <laughs> like, like you go to church and people are okay with shooting demons and stuff mm-hmm. um and then i've never played it but uh i'm assuming shadow of mordor does this really well because they uh well i mean i'm sure you kill a bunch of like you know mook goblins or whatever but like the uh main dudes like you the, fight them the over and over yeah and so it's like it's a like i think what would, what would be a really interesting turn for games like Far Cry would be to like instead of just being like, oh here's the here's the encampment, kill everyone, move to the next encampment, would be something like you know here's a lot of interesting characters and like uh, they're as hard to kill as you are to kill, and so like maybe uh, winning this encampment means driving them out or like wounding them so they have to retreat. Um, so I think that could be a thing. And then also I have to say Metal Gear. I mean, come on. Metal Gear. Like, Metal Gear. Uh, Metal Gear? Leah Alexander said something about three and it like, it made me tear up cause it was so spot on. It was like, um, it's so brilliant because it, uh, incentivizes, I, she words it very poetically. I'm going to just butcher it, but like it, uh, it like incentivizes de-escalation or it's the the nobility of de-escalation is what makes metal gear such a special because of the stealth yeah because of the stealth and because like i mean you can go through it just headshotting everyone but like it feels really good to go through it stealthily to like knock people out to like show mercy to the enemy and stuff and you got actually a pretty good reward in five for doing that yeah you, know, you just got more people for your base and you exactly grow. yeah and like five is like i mean it's like breath of the wild where it's just like the mechanics are just like the the immersion is just like mechanics on top of mechanics on top of mechanics all working together yeah i really like that you brought up the new doom game because mm. i feel like doom 2016 wolfenstein the new order mm-hmm. are like the best examples of modernizing old first person shooters hands there was, down there was a um let's see who it was nick capozzoli he's like he's a he's a games critic he was talking about it on uh twitter because he was 
because Charlie Hall on Polygon did a huge write up of Far Cry Five because he's he went to go see like the the premiere of it and talked to some of the developers there, and he said that it was very emotionally engaging with him, right? And and talked and and kind of espoused all of this stuff, which I thought you know the the write up was really good. And Nick was on Twitter, he's like, this article sucks <laughs> because he's like she's just talking about like how emotionally engaging it is about all this this violence and this turmoil and like it's it has a very good chance of like and i might be butchering his meaning and misinterpreting it but the way i interpret it is that he was saying that like we hear this every time every developer says like yeah. oh we have a very emotionally engaging and very amazing story that's going to just expand your mind and make you think it's like no and then it turns out to be the same schlock shooting all the time mm. that they try to bolt a story onto yeah and and then he said that the best first-person shooters are either uh, the best narratives and first-person shooters are either ironic or they're postmodernist. Right. And, mm-hmm. then, and then someone said, "Have you played Wolfenstein: New Order?" He said, "No." And the person said, "It's it's a really good game, and it's like and it has it does storytelling in a very interesting way." And then I chimed in and said, "I think this fits his two categories because the story of." Wolfenstein the New Order one of the main themes is about how BJ Blazkowicz is a walking meat tank like there <laughs> yeah like a lot of the storytelling is about like he he, ex- he survives these ridiculous explosions and shootouts because he is like the ubermensch he is like this weird superman guts and glory soldier right. that just through sheer bravado and love of his country he's able to survive all of these situations and they play on that a lot and it's really good and it's a very interesting like how do we talk about this character and this game that was created decades ago that's just about like i just want to go around shoot nazis and shoot mecha hitler it's (laughs) it's so brilliant how that is done and i could spiel for hours on a new order just because that that interweaving story between this this self-aware you're a walking meat tank shooting Nazis. There's like a Jewish super uh, factory under the under the water. It's like Jewish Atlantis full of like new technology and that sort of thing. Oh yeah, I forgot <laughs> yeah. about that part. Uh, <laughs> like it's so self-aware of it of of everything going on in that sense. But then it doesn't like take that and just make jokes. It builds a believable world. Right. Or there's like a very interesting. There's a very good like. Uh, uh, love story between BJ Blazkowicz and like the nurse that was because he got like hit in the head with shrapnel during World War II, so he was like comatose for twenty years or something. So he's just watching the world change in front of him, and it's super fascinating. That's a game that does the Metro mechanics because the first uh-huh. level you're storming the beach, and then the level after that you like wake up in the hospital and you're still like atrophied, so you're like slow and you've only got the one pistol. And like you can't aim very well. It's mm-hmm. like I remember that one being really tense. It's it's. I really, it's just fascinating. And I really dislike when people just stop at like, oh, it's a really cool alternate future or alternate 60s and 70s where it's like, what if the Beatles were under Nazi rule? Like they would right. be making Nazi propaganda music. It's like you're stopping at the least interesting part of this this game. Like don't just stop at the set dressing. Look deeper. Look at how like they took a game about a stupid American super soldier and made it as this weird commentary on like where shitty action video games have been for like 20 years like look at that that's the part we should be celebrating not the fucking like (laughs) retro future that they have in here made every character a believable character that you cared for 
I mean, it's, oh, God. And, yeah, I mean, you bring up the music, but I still think that that's a really good point to make, too. Uh, they, LLC, they, they uh, what is it? When, when you, like, LLC a, a company, recording studio. They, oh, incorporate? Yeah. They, they, the game studio incorporated their own, like, recording studio. They just made one for the game itself. It's, like, Kleiner Records or something. Oh. And that was where they made all the covers of, like, popular, like, 70s and 80s <laughs> songs in German and with, like, Nazi propaganda in them for the game. It's a weird recording studio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to dismiss that. I just get frustrated when people stop there. Okay, yeah. yeah. Like, there's so much more to it. Yeah. The newspaper clippings and everything going into, like, how they took over China, how, like, you know. Or, no, wasn't China the one country that's, like, still fighting them during... I couldn't tell. I don't remember okay. much of it. Like, because the... the the alternate Nazi history is that they've officially taken over everything, but I think I recall one of the newspaper newspaper clippings that uh, the Beach picks up uh, is something about how China is still fighting, and China's like the last country that hasn't been taken over yet. And I mean, there's resistance fighters. I mean, that's a whole story right, is that exactly. you're working for resistance fighters. It's, man. I, want, I should probably play this game. You, yeah, <laughs> it sounds it's, pretty awesome. It's incredible. There's a level on the moon. Nazis have taken nice. over the moon. They have a Nazi moon base. They yeah. Cosmo Nazis tie in. Yeah. <laughs> the and then and then Doom does the same thing. Except, you know, because the Doom Marine was a silent protagonist, they just make the Doom Marine and this a silent protagonist, and it's all these people trying to make this engaging <laughs> narrative around him and him it's completely like, nah. ignoring them. Yeah. Like there's like, you know, the the main scientist, like this chief science officer, whoever is talking to you through like these computers and these in this intercom system and every time he like is trying to get your attention there's like a module there's like a screen like where he's trying to talk to you doom marine just punches it out yeah just rips it off the wall so good. <laughs> which it could also be like commentary on like players and tutorialization too yeah pretty well. much because there's there's very little i think it tells you how to do the glory kills and that's it and yeah doom. yeah and then so and then nick also talked about the part where Kind of, kind of talking what you're talking about the the Nazi propaganda in New Order. There's a part in Charlie Hall's write up where he writes that like you know uh, Ubisoft did a lot of research into the Waco, Texas scenario and all these other like cults that exist in Middle America and in in rural America that we kind of don't know about that actually kind of control that control like small towns and 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 there's like oh yeah and we did all this research and we talked to experts on this and da 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 da, da. and then Nick was also kind of like, okay, we've also heard this a hundred times before. So yeah. just because you did all this in-depth research doesn't automatically mean the end result is good. You know, right. Ubisoft could do all this research into the French Revolution and Assassin's Creed Unity can still be shit. And, so that, and then that's my greater point is just because they got the set dressing right doesn't mean that there's more underneath the surface. And that, and that's why I look for, as yeah. I, I look for the more, the more, the richer stuff and I, I i don't like when people stop at artifice which i feel like a lot of at least when they when they talk about the development a lot of game developers talk about that in AAA, where it's like oh we did all this research it's like we made a amazing facsimile of venice for assassin's creed 2 etc cetera, etc cetera. i was like okay but how does that how does that deliver me a good story right how does that deliver me an engaging experience right where does that fit in mechanically right. you know it'll exactly look, it'll look pretty exactly but yeah <laughs> so yeah so I'm I'm excited for Far Cry Five because I I didn't play four, but I really like three. Like I really like three. Like coming off of two, and I'm not trying to completely shit all over two. Like I enjoyed like it. It was a very it was a coming of age experience for me for okay. Far Cry Two because like I went to the store, 
we were talking about this last week. How I, I would just go to the store. I was like, I want to buy a game. But I didn't go to the store and I was like, recommend me a game. I was like reading up on Far Cry 2 and I was like, oh, this game sounds super engaging. And then I just read some marketing term where it was like, has over a thousand hours of gameplay. And I was like, oh, that sounds great. So I went to the store <laughs> and bought it. And I was even, I bought it at Target. And I was even talking to the, to the, cashier at the target and i was like i heard this game has over a thousand hours like this is gonna be great this is gonna the last game i'll ever need (laughs) (laughs) they solved it they finally (laughs) solved it (laughs) solved the problem we fixed the world (laughs) and then i played it and i was like okay this is kind of interesting and there's 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 really good ideas in here but like ultimately it's not my what i consider quote-unquote fun and that's super subjective but that's what it Okay. Boiled down to me. So this is... Um, I spent $60 on it as a, like a... Gotcha. <laughs> like a 14, 15-year-old. And I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, segueing from that into uh, just kind of... I think this is an interesting argument to bring up. Should games have this constant high of being fun or should they just be like emotional roller coaster? Should they be tense and then fun and then tense and then fun? Uh, is there a buildup? Should there be a curve to it? And like, does that play into what it's trying to achieve narratively, what it's trying to achieve uh, between player and game connectivity? Um, I think Far Cry 2 establishes its curve and sticks to it in a way that I haven't seen a lot of AAA games recently try to do. Um, there was an interesting article that I actually found shortly after we were talking about this on Slack, uh, where they were talking, or it was one of the Far, the Far Cry 2 des- lead designer talking to Gamasutra about, um, did you post this? Maybe someone did. Maybe it was posted in the Slack. I'm not sure where. Yeah, I, I don't think I, I posted anything. Oh, okay. Um, I, I was just making fun of the idle thumbs grenade rolling down the hill thing. Because <laughs> that thing cracks me up. Uh, but they were talking about... It was the, the lead designer talking about how uh, they, were, they got mixed reviews. And he was sort of noticing this trend among the reviewers that sort of gave it lower scores. Were apparently the ones that put in like the least amount of time. Um, they had like, you know, catalog of like, oh, we got to get five reviews in a week and I'll only put in like the minimum effort uh, to sort of get into Fire Cry 2. And the reviewers who spent like more and more time with it until it like it clicked and, you know, this flow of all of these emotions that are supposed to be like spiraling through you as a player, like you're struggling to survive in war-torn Africa. And I think through its mechanics that are frustrating, uh, quote unquote, uh, and to the ones that are like fun and empowering, it creates that roller coaster of, you know, you're not supposed to be on this constant high of woo, you know, guns blazing through the African wilderness. You're, you're, I mean, it's a struggle. You have to take your malaria pills. Your guns are shitty because they've been like sitting outside the whole time. They're rusty. They jam. Cars suck, you know? Cars do suck. Yeah. So I think. For what they set out to achieve, Far Cry 2 creates this very beautiful dynamic of emotions as opposed to Far Cry 3 and 4, which give you everything from the start. You're able to run out, guns a-blazing, and I got bored almost immediately. Like, I think maybe a couple bases in. And eventually, Far Cry Blood Dragon held me just because of how beautiful and hilarious and great it was just on the outside, but it was still that mechanical shell that didn't quite mesh with what I wanted from a Far Cry game having come from 2. Conquer an outpost, conquer an outpost. Right, exactly. It's just running from place to place, shooting people and having a great time. And I feel like without the struggle, without the highs and the lows, you get burnt out. 
I think on a constant high trip, at least I can't stick to that. And I, and I agree with you about like how there should be peaks and valleys in terms of frustration, in terms of um, emotional engagement, catharsis in games. I think I think I have an, a more narrow bandwidth for things. So okay. if something's like super super frustrating, and then like super awesome, and then super super frustrating. I don't like that. But so there's there's this gradual like there's a a fixed width that I'm able to withstand. So with something like like an XCOM, and I, I don't even think I got frustrated at XCOM. I just think the 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 tutorialization was too long for me to to get, to sit through. Yeah, because I came to that game like a year and a half after. Everyone was like, play this game. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I want to get to the part that everyone keeps freaking out about, not the part where I want to be where people are now on the game, not where people were two years ago on the game. Right. So, and, that, and that's always a, a thing you have to deal with, with managing your expectations when people recommend a game to you. But I do like having a small sense of frustration or fear or you know negative emotions in a game. And I feel like Far Cry 3 does that if you want to play the game stealthily. So I was someone that wanted to take out each outpost without anyone noticing because I just, I, I enjoy that more. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I like dishonored for that and I like games like that. So I would run around and be like very stealthy and like try to try to avoid tripping the, 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 the AIs um, like vision cones. And you can also, and, and when they do discover you, they, they call reinforcements. So there's always like a telephone or an alarm on each encampment so you can snip the wire. And so that prevents that. Mm-hmm. And and so that was a frustration I liked, and for Far Cry Two, I felt like I had less of that. A lot of a lot of the frustrations were oddly more mechanical to me. So like like the weapon degradation, and I and I did enjoy my experience with Far Cry Two, but I feel like since Far Cry Two's existence and Far Cry Three's prominence, I think there's this there's been this battle, this these warring factions. It's like, all right, you're either on the super like emergent gameplay simulation side of Far Cry Two, or you're on the the fast shooting, uh, like coming out of the gates sprinting Far Cry Three, Far Cry Four thing. Yeah, and I mean, if, and if I'm I have to place my bets, it's it's on three and four because that's just where I've had the more fun. And then everyone just forgets Primal. That never happened. I never played it. <laughs> I was so psyched for it because I was just like, oh, this is the new Blood Dragon, right? This is going to be great. <laughs> oh, I, man. I think I think people were just burnt out on it and didn't want to spend $50 on it. Yeah. I think Blood Dragon was brilliant because it had that like open world base to base thing, but it was still like a tiny game. I mean, it had like wonderful juice. Everything visually, narratively was was great. It was hilarious. Uh, I still like think it probably has some of the best hand hand animations in any game I've ever played. Yeah. All the reloads, all the <laughs> yeah. all the repairs. Like you were talking about healing yourself with like pliers, pulling bullets out. And I'm just remembering like, oh yeah, my favorite part in Blood Dragon, like when you have to like rip open the screen on your robot hand and like fix wires <laughs> and like his hands are his fingers are going nuts like while you're doing that. Yeah. And he makes the fist when he's done. and They have a lot of uh, funny reload animations in Battlefield 4. Have you seen any of these? Oh, yeah, the Easter egg ones? Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen any of these? Well, no. there's like one where you hit reload and he like throws the gun away and another hand comes out, like a third hand comes out from the left side of the screen and just is holding the gun and you grab it and the hand's gone. <laughs> and there's this guy like freaking out trying to find out like where, where that arm came from. 
Yeah, the the amount of YouTube videos that just contain like the player like going, "What the hell?" Like yeah. you can see their cameras like swerve around. I love the uh, the one where like the guy starts like flipping the revolver, the revolver and just like like tossing bullets in. By like, <laughs> yeah, he's like spinning the revolver and then he throws the 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 bullets <laughs> in the opposite side of the screen and then and they it come comes back off around. the other side and like <laughs> there's and the there's the the force one where he like has his hand over here and he's doing like the like the and then like commanding the clip to like come out and into the gun. <laughs> yeah. I like I like how um Overwatch and Borderlands kind of joke on that where it's like Reaper is reload he just slows the the shotguns away and then yeah. just pulls yeah. out new ones and then <laughs> there's a whole subset like a whole brand of guns in borderlands that you reload them by just throwing it and then a new one materializes in your hand what well, dragons reload animations going back to that like he has the what the flip open the stock on the shotgun and he's just like tossing shells in yeah. from the other <laughs> hand uh the oh, i remember i think the machine gun one was my favorite because he'd flip the magazine over his fingers like you would a coin and then just like <laughs> that's pretty cool it's cool when it's cool when you can tell that like the designers of the game were like, let's do this fun thing. Yeah, exactly. I will say, I think playing video games has like prepared me more than anything else for any sort of doomsday scenario where we're all just like in. Except for when your guns all act like Far Cry Two guns, <laughs> yeah, <don't> they <laughs> just just blow up in your hand. Or they, what? Which just things like you know, I'll watch some sort of piece of media now, and I'll see someone with like an assault rifle, and they have two magazines taped together and i'm like oh that's so he doesn't that's just for easier reload so you just pull the magazine out flip it over and put the other one in yeah and i'm just like oh god i'm like five <laughs> inches away from being a serial killer <laughs> yeah my buddy my buddy got into guns for like a week my buddy got into guns and then like for the every time we ever watch something with like any guns in it he'll either be like Oh, that person has terrible trigger. What is discipline. it? Discipline. Discipline. Yeah. <laughs> just like they're just like resting on the trigger. trigger yeah. Discipline. I'm just like, yeah. Well, I mean, like, it's just a shitty TV show, so that's okay. <laughs> so let go. <laughs> Going into, we start talking about what we've been playing. I kind of want to, since we were on the topic of like frustration levels and like peaks and valleys. Okay. And also reloading animations. <laughs> I've been playing Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Oh yeah. Oh the sensation sweeping the virtual nation uh it's hard it's a hard game it's like you took daisy and then you compressed it into 30 minutes and it's like all right now go have fun and then compound that with the fact that i've never played a shooter using mouse and keyboard oh so then i have to get over that hurdle yeah you don't like that no uh when i made that jump which was still pretty recently like within the past like five or ten years I was like amazed at how easier it was. Like, really? <laughs> I was just like, I'm just shooting everybody. Like, this is great. It might have been, it might have been the game. Like, if I were playing Overwatch with mouse and keyboard, like, yeah. I think my aim would be better. But you're never, it's never close quarters. It's very rarely right. close quarters in Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. So, third person's way trickier, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, is it third person? Well, yeah. you switch. You can switch. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. You can know. look down the 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 eyesight, but you, okay. But you can also just have it permanently in first person. But then you're at disadvantage because you can't see like right. Around I you. imagine it's done so you can have a little more spatial awareness. And just look around corners and kind of like cheat. Like, oh, I'm just gonna swing the camera around and all right. Um, but yeah, so that's a game that's like super frustrating to get into. And if this were something like Daisy or uh, where what are the other ones that are of that like H one Z one, yeah. Where it's like you're you're the the curve of spawning, collecting all your weapons, 
doing like trying to survive is over the, the that entire arc is over the course of a couple hours mm-hmm. as opposed to in battlegrounds it's 30 minutes i don't think i would like those games but battlegrounds since there's less of an investment i was like okay i i got killed 20 minutes in i was still trying to find good weapons and things i got like 50th out of 100 it's not that bad like i don't feel like i don't feel like i've i've lost this huge time sink whereas in, in daisy or these other survival shooters i feel <laughs> like i'd be like, like hours collecting all your shit and then somebody just headshots you from yeah. across the map yeah like, well restart i guess i've been reading some cool articles and i'm digging the sort of multi-layered nuances of player interaction uh and just like information gathering that's available for instance uh what pc gamer was like discussing like all the strategies players are already devising like all vehicles spawn facing east. All doors are closed at the beginning. Right. And you can use that to sort of tell is like someone nearby. Has someone been here? Oh. Yeah. yeah. And, and to f- figure out like if you want to take that risk. So if I see a, a building with a door open, it's like, all right, do I want to take the risk of running in there and trying to see if someone's in there and trying to kill them or seeing if they left any loot behind that they didn't want to pick up? Or do I want to run by the house? But if I run by the house, they then have a like encampment advantage because they can just look out a window and be like hey i'm gonna shoot you you're just running across a field so there's interesting um give and take there that in the uh like when players die they leave behind boxes so like there's a screenshot of someone who just like saw like six boxes outside of a house and was like <laughs> no 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 yep, like, get away. <laughs> yeah and and obviously a game like this creates great water cooler moments like just shit happens that you just don't expect to happen like, especially when I'm, like, in a house and I hear someone come in and I'm just, like, there's a lot of uh, uh, stress, mm-hmm. like we were talking about before. But it's good stress because, like, there's this arc. You see, you spawn, you jump out of the plane, you find a place to get your items and stuff, and then you eventually die. And you want to keep trying to get to that point where you're dying, but instead of dying, you want to survive that point. So it's like, okay, here's an, an encounter where I was in a house and there was a shootout in the house and I ended up dying. Uh all right, let me try to replicate that in my next playthrough and just keep trying to die mm-hmm. or keep trying to force myself into those stressful situations and come out the other side surviving. Because otherwise, you know, I could do the thing where it's like I try to avoid everyone, try to get as far away from anyone as possible and be like one of the last 10. But then my, you know, my shooting game is going to be off because I haven't pulled the trigger at all and I have no idea. Like, Are I'm, there people that play that game that are just like hoping to be to like just hide in the bushes until the last guy's almost dead and just shoot him. Um, you can play like that. There was a guy that won completely pacifistically. He didn't kill anyone. <laughs> and he came in first. I think it's because he did some sort of uh, he like forced the other guy into the kill zone into like there was either a bombing run or the the blue force field killed him or maybe he just fell and died. I don't know. <laughs> the but. My best games, like, I've come in fourth twice, Mm -hmm. and that was from, like, killing no one. Wow. That was, like, just holding out in a house in, like, until the circle got super small. Not intentionally holding out in the house, but it's, like, okay, the spawning placement of the safe circle is in such a way that I can just stick it out here until I have to run to the final circle. And then I eventually die because it's, like, you're just, like, (laughs) it's just a field with a couple trees, and you're just, like... They could be coming from any direction. Yeah. I'm dead. <laughs> so is the the placement of the circle completely random? 
it's random. I think they there's there has to be some logic into it because I was thinking about it. Because if it was totally random, you could have like a circle, a safe circle that's like at the end, ninety percent water, right? Which wouldn't be fun at it's all. An island, right? Yeah, it's an island with like so it's like one large landmass and then another landmass that's about a fourth of the size that has like a military base on it and that has roads or it has bridges going to that hmm. but the rest of it's just one contiguous thing but there's like a body there's like rivers running through it and like small lakes and stuff so there are like natural hazards they have to get across like sometimes the plane will skirt like the coast and so you'll jump off i did one where i jumped off and i landed into the ocean in between the smaller island and the larger island and i swam for a good like five minutes trying to find like a beachhead to go back up on the land and I didn't find uh-huh. one. It was all like fjords and just clip faces. I'm like, fuck this. So I just exited that 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 <laughs> game. <laughs> I was like, I just play another one. But yeah, I mean and I'm I'm enjoying it a lot, but it's a long skill curve. So I'm like, I got a little bit better, but in order to like really get good at this game, I've put like five or six hours into it. I would have to put like dozens. Uh and I don't know if I want to do that, the sacrifice of playing <laughs> other games. Because like I still haven't beaten Zelda. And there are other games I have. I don't know. It's fun. I really wish there was controller support. The second, <laughs> the second this thing comes on a console, I'm like, right, well, buy that. Yeah. <laughs> Play it I on really there. just want to watch somebody that's real good at it. Check out Twitch, man. Yeah. It's actually really fun watching the Twitch ones and then me being like, oh, I know all the strategies now. I'm going to be <laughs> awesome at this game. It's like, nope, I still suck at this game. Yeah, because they just know exactly what you what they're doing. And I, I started messing with the key bindings because like it's like one through five is like your weapon select mm-hmm. and then uh six through zero or seven through zero are like your uh healing item uses. Because there's like there's a band aid, a first aid, and a med pack from smallest to largest, right? Um and then they're all bound to a different number seven through through zero picturing characters scavenging used band-aids off the floor <laughs> like oh this will work fly into their arm and uh and then there's like uh painkillers and, and energy drinks it's literally a red bull can nice uh that you drink and that heals you over time player unknowns battlegrounds sponsored yeah. by red bull sponsored by <laughs> red bull experience and and so i i rebound all those to my uh mouse keys because it was way hard because I'm still trying to get used to it. It was like, okay, WSAD and then shift to run, hold down shift to run and then X to put my gun away. And then like Q and R to like, uh, peek around corners and then like, or Q and E to peek around corners and R to reload. And then, you know, control T to mute and unmute the, the team chat and then M to get the map. And I'm like, how the fuck do people do this? And I'm like <laughs> swinging my hand around the keyboard. I was like, also hit the number buttons to switch through all your items. I'm like, no, what the fuck? <laughs> oh man. Like human hands weren't supposed to deform this way. <laughs> it's all right. All right. I've been playing a lot of Overwatch and Strafe. Uh, talk about either of those, really. Tell me about. Tell me about how's the anniversary event? Event, quote yeah. unquote. Yeah. Because there's no like special mode, right? It's just yeah. New- there's no special mode, but it is like special loot boxes, a lot of new cosmetics, like more cosmetics than the previous events. I'm willing to say. I'm seeing um, everyone hate that Lucio yeah. skin. Oh, hate it. Oh, really? Really? They're, I didn't. Yeah. I, I don't I've, think anyone hates it. I've heard nothing but hate for that Lucio skin. Maybe it's because it's like it plays jazz instead of his normal electronic beats. Uh-huh. And I <laughs> will say, like when you switch to speed mode, the saxophones that come out blaring are a little jarring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, 
Yeah, but uh, I think it's cool to talk about just because I haven't experienced another game that's got such worldwide cultural mass appeal as this one does. It's so weird to see it reach as far as it has. I mean, across all circles, really. It's enraptured, like, you know, there, there's those games that, like, enraptured Tumblr, like Undertale, and, uh, God, I think there was one other, and I'm forgetting. Overwatch. Well, I'm going to say, <laughs> yeah. like, now, like, Overwatch has enraptured that. I've seen, like, threads on 4chan where they love it. Like, Reddit obviously loves everything. Even, like, so, like, maybe half my friends list on Facebook plays it. I mean, it, it's, at least from my experience and from, like, the fact that PC Gamer has an article about it every other day, so does Polygon. It's just, it's so weird to see a game in my lifetime that has Universal. covered such a wide base of, yeah, of players and people in general. Did you hear about the, the that comic book or graphic novel they canceled because they didn't want to ruin people's headcanon <laughs> with their ships? That's from what smart. I heard, it was that, well, okay, maybe that's why it was. I I think the, the official blog post is something like, you know, we're just rewriting the story because we didn't really have a clear vision of what the story was when we commissioned the comic book. Oh, I, I read a headline that said it was like they didn't want to mess with people's preconceptions of the characters. That sounds very clickbaity. <laughs> maybe. I mean, people were freaking out about Tracer. Yeah, yeah, that was great. I just... <laughs> <laughs> God, there was that YouTube video of just like someone just like throwing out all of the the forum posts of everyone like does Tracer is gay like <laughs> like you know so, several people like I'm quitting this game this is bullshit and like everyone's like I don't know why this is that bad <laughs> Tracer and Boss Baby seen together what in yeah. Minecraft <laughs> gone sexual gone wrong <laughs> no it was a uh, I, I just think it's it's cool to point that out. I don't have a whole lot else to say about it, just because um, I'm starting to notice some cracks, at least in my own playing, where I'm just like, I'm not playing it for fun anymore. I'm playing it for loot boxes, and I feel like that's a problem. I've been hearing a lot of loot box talk where they're trying to revamp that system. I think that's probably the best decision. A lot of people might be not quite so. Uh, maybe it's Maybe it's teetering off, but I mean, it's only been a year. It's doing really, really well. Uh, I feel I felt the same way when I was playing Hearthstone a lot. Mm-hmm. I was like, I just gotta get twenty. Just need the card back. Just need the card back for this month. Just gotta get twenty. And there's a point where I was like, Yeah, I don't know if I like. I like this game. It's really fun, <laughs> but like the skill curve is kind of leaving me behind despite the fact that I'm putting a decent amount of games there's in. Definitely a bit of that for me too. And I like to think I'm decent at shooters, but. I don't know. Overwatch is like a whole nother ball for me. I feel like I'm better at Titanfall just because Overwatch demands such a high level of cooperation of teamwork. And I'm cool with that. I love how they have that mesh, but I'm just not great at working with a team, I think. <laughs> Lone wolf over here. Yeah, I don't communicate. I don't communicate well. <laughs> um, Do you play ranked? No, actually, I can't. I, I've well, I, not that I can't. I just I don't do well. Um, I still haven't gotten to level 25 yet, so I can't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm like a level 100 and something Oh, now. my God. 108. I'm uh, like 23 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, like, uh, I, I like the sense that ranked is where everyone that goes to really give it their all. I don't like how that brings out the most toxic players. And that, to me, is what really kills a game's fun, is when I experience other people not enjoying it. Uh, if I'm, if like everyone in the room isn't having fun with a game, then I can't. You know how you fix that? 
turn off the chat. Yeah, but then if you do that, then... Well, actually, you probably could mute an individual player. I haven't looked into that. I just, you know... It's like, what if they're making good call-outs? What if they're actually, like, trying to be helpful on occasion? I don't know. Fuck but it, most man. of the time, they suck. It's, uh... Take that risk. Right. Take that risk every day. <laughs> I've only... Uh, so, you do, like, ten qualifier matches to figure out your ranking for the season of when competitive seasons start. I've only done that once. I've only completed all ten once. And I got, like the lowest bronze or something i did one match after that that put me up to silver and i'm like i'm good <laughs> i'm happy yeah <laughs> it's uh it's fun it's really fun to watch the pros play though i feel like that is a great place to sort of get that experience and see what that's like a team communicating and thriving and doing really well um but i'm just not there yet and the friends that i play with I try and help out and try and be supportive, but in the end, I'm constantly noticing my screw-ups, like, oh, I went way too far without the team, and, like, I'm doing something else. And You should get Battlegrounds. You should play some Battlegrounds again. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> the duo. <laughs> You're really bad at teamwork. We should play Battlegrounds. <laughs> yeah, but if it's just Alex and I. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's similar, like, I think that's why I'm sort of lately been gravitating towards Titanfall 2, because that's a much better solo shooter experience, mm-hmm. where it's just, like, you are the lone wolf badass pilot on the sea of, like... You know, grunts and is, it, is there a is there free for all in Titanfall or is it all yeah team based? Uh, there is a free for all, but it is one mode that I don't really play that often. Um, I like uh, what there's there's attrition, which is your standard like everyone's gaining points through kills, kill pilots, titans, grunts, robots, that sort of thing. Build your score, um, first to five hundred wins. There's actually I think my favorite mode is one they introduced called Bounty Hunt. Is that the one with, like, the banks that open up? Yes. Yeah. Uh, where you have to, like, stay in a zone, kill people in that zone to earn money. If someone kills you, they get half of what the money you have. And you have to survive until the end of round to bank your 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 money, and then you have none. But that contributes to your score, and the score right. comes from the money everyone's earning. Yeah, that sounds cool. Sounds pretty neat. Yeah. I, I haven't played any Titanfall 1 nor 2. Dude. They're so good. They're I, like the perfect uh, example of like what a shooter needs to be good. You know, it's not like I, I never tried to avoid them. I just when the first one came out, I didn't have a computer or a console. Uh, the second one came out like right before I maybe like a couple months before I bought a PS4. Second one's super cheap right now. I think it's like twenty bucks. I'll check it out. They're they're dropping it. It's I still like, want to check out Rainbow Six because uh, uh, that seems super cool. Yeah, that's another teamwork one, though. So I've been like looking at him like, so oh, fuck it. This looks really, really <laughs> cool. I'd probably be terrible, though. <laughs> My current setup for playing Battlegrounds on this TV. Mm-hmm. So I have two TV trays right there. And I set both of those up. And one has the keyboard and one has the mouse. And I sit about... <laughs> four three four feet away from my tv <laughs> so i can actually read the ui because originally i was sitting on the couch and i was like i can't fucking what is this what's this what's this item what is this <laughs> i think more pc games should have like couch uis yes or it's just like you can read it good on good on witcher 3 for doing that yeah yeah that's right they did that and strafe yeah tell me about strafe strafe is the best soundtrack of 2017 <laughs> hands it, down what is it uh strafe is a super uh, I mean the soundtrack it's like 
dark wave okay. super synth but it's like it's heavy it's thumping it's like super adrenaline rushing it's thumping it's yeah it's a uh, big thumping like thumper it's yeah. it's like oh man that's a good one too <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's like doom soundtrack but full electronica nice and yeah it's so it's I was like, actually this morning i was going through the new doom soundtrack because i was like i just want to hear the cool synthy stuff like the guitar stuff like that's cool and doomy but like i just wanted to listen to the synthy parts yeah it's a uh, actually i really like mike damn it I'm i listening like listening to his stuff uh, <laughs> uh well the guy who did the doom soundtrack also did it for killer instinct Ah. And he's just he's this heavy metal god in game soundtracks now. Um his his Killer Instinct soundtrack is another one that I like to wake up to. Like the original Killer Instinct? No, the new one uh. that came out for Xbox One and the original like PC. Killer Cuts album is so good. Yeah. Well, he's actually he's like sort of riffing on a lot of those, yeah. which is pretty cool. <laughs> That's yeah. That's cool. Um so yeah, but Strafe is I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. It's flawed in a couple areas but i'm still enjoying various aspects of it it's uh gosh let's let's see we're gonna start with it um i'm really enjoying it does nail the very quick unreal early doom sensation of like big murder rooms big maze like murder rooms and like here are a bunch of enemies you're you doing a lot of strafing right, you have head to do, bob you have to do like the head bob strafe dance you have to i mean it's it's those tense waltzes that i really enjoy from those games they're sort of like it keeps every room unique pumping and that sort of thing it's the times when they sort of deviate from that to provide more i guess standard to the genre gameplay moments where i feel like it deviates from its core and it doesn't it, it sort of it's it's a little more uh, it's it's not adrenaline pumping. It's not very fun. It's, it's not pumping. It's not thumping. Right. So there's bits with uh, uh, ki- uh, keys, car keys, that sort of thing. Uh, or actually, I really like they have one system where they revamped it and they're just like, you have to... It's basically the same thing, but with a slight twist. Keys you pick up and the door they correspond to automatically open. Like you return to the door and just like, oh, grabbing the key opened it from wherever you are in the map. Uh, and then they have a face scanner system where you'll find these scanners next to a door with a picture of a face on it, and you have to hunt through the level for a corpse with a matching face. Oh, God. And it's sort of like having to stop the blood fest to, like, stare at a corpse and go, is, is that <laughs> is that the right one? Like, <laughs> And then, like, rip the head off and, like, carry it. Like, and that's the other part is you have to actually carry the head. You can't use your gun. Like so you throw it down on the ground. Right. You have to like toss it sometimes to like keep shooting and then pick it back up. Like remember where you tossed it and then yeah, try and get it back to the scanner to open the door. Um Yeah, what else? What else? I uh this it's a little it was bug rampant when it came out, but that's not fair at the moment. They've been pushing up patches like twice a week. They've been fixing stuff as it comes up. They've been really good about that. You can tell the team is dedicated and passionate. It's just like there's some core mechanical stuff. That it's that I think is getting away, getting in the way of it being like really, really fun. Are they? Do you think they're aware of that or trying to to I don't change know. that stuff around? It seems like they're focusing mostly on bug fixes at this point. Um, I'd also think it would be better if there was like a little more juice to the guns. Uh, they currently <laughs> they currently sound a lot better. They fixed that like day one, but people were originally complaining that they sound like Nerf guns at their best. Uh, they don't have any animations aside from like you fire and like it it goes back a little bit. You reload and it lowers and comes back up. There's nothing else to them. 
They uh, need to start throwing bullets into the other side of the screen and then catching them <laughs> into the revolver. Yeah, yeah. There's little things like the uh, SMG has like a smoke trail after firing it and it, it ejects shells. But I mean, like the shotgun and the railgun get nothing. Hmm. So how's the aesthetic? That that kind of like lo-fi. The aesthetic's my favorite thing in the world. Low-poly thing. I mean, that's what got my attention in the first place. I'm like, this is... This is a total nostalgia trip for me. I love, I think, one of my favorite games of all time is the original Unreal. It looks a lot like that, uh, but with a color palette this time. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) not just brown. Well, the original Unreal is actually pretty colorful because it was set on like this native jungle world, but I mean, it looks like Strafe does with, you know, blocky, pixely, that sort of thing. Um, God, I could talk about that game for a while, but uh, Strafe is very orange uh with like blue uh blue to sort of show you like where to go um but all the enemies are like spewing red and orange and there's brown and there's black and it's sort of like it's gutsy it's gory uh hazards are brighter than things that are not hazardous that sort of thing it does a good job of like differentiating uh bad stuff from good stuff i think with a very limited color palette that's done very well what else could i I think I was sort of covered most of what I can with Strafe. Did you back the Kickstarter? Or? I did not, actually. Um, I really wanted to, but it was one of the ones that I missed. I think Kickstarter these days is mostly for board games for me. That's fair. <laughs> the last game I backed was called Little Devil Inside, which looked really, really cute. Really pretty. So, But that was a year or two ago. I've never backed a Kickstarter. Have you, Will? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? I don't know. It's been a while, like... Shovel Knight and my number nine. My, yeah, I got, I got that. <laughs> I uh, I did back Hyperlight Drifter. Oh yeah. yeah. So I haven't been burned out yet. The only one I really, really wanted to and wasn't even a Kickstarter. I wanted to back the Rock Band Four PC port on Fig. Oh yeah, but didn't end up working. I feel like no one knows Fig. Like they sort of shot themselves in the foot for that. <laughs> oh, like, <laughs> we're gonna put it on Fig, and people are like, "What's that?" <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I mean. I don't know. Psychonauts did all right on Fig. Psychonauts two. Well, I know it's you know <laughs> Tim Schafer has a huge hand in Fig, and Tim Schafer can just direct masses of people to go wherever yeah. he wants them to. But oh, is that him? Okay, it's not his. It's so Fig is Justin Bailey's kind of brainchild, and Justin Bailey was the old chief operating officer. Okay, of Double Fine. I think that was his title. Yeah. He was basically business dev, like head business dev for Double Fine. Okay. Uh, he plays a pretty prominent role in the Broken Age documentary. Oh. You watch that? Okay. And uh, he has like a really, a lot of cool stuff to say. And he was the one that was like, look, we don't have enough funding to make the scope of game that you want to make for Broken Age. So we have to do something. So that's when they did like the two part early access thing where. Because Justin Bailey was like, okay, we either do this or we shrink the scope way down for Broken Age. Yeah. And Tim Schafer didn't want to do that, so they did the early access model. Gotcha. Yeah, I really like him. He's he's smart cookie. I think Fig's doing all right. I mean, obviously, it's not the size of Kickstarter, but they're doing they're doing different stuff. Cool, cool. Was, uh, man, we could talk about Kickstarter. Unless, <laughs> like, Will, what are you playing? Sorry. Uh, That's all right. Take your hosting away from you. Uh, <laughs> My hosting. <laughs> I don't know. I've been playing more mobile games. I've been trying to like really dig deep and get some good mobile games. How's how's your egg farm? Uh, egg farm's doing pretty good. I'm kind of like at a slowdown where I feel like they want me to start paying. Uh-oh. Uh, so I'll probably stop playing that. But it was fun. Um, 
I've on on my pre smartphone like back in like two thousand like maybe six through two thousand twelve. Is this had, the phone that you racked up that ungodly no no phone bill on? No, this was <laughs> that was kind of in between. So I had that phone in between. I had this what was it called an NV two. And uh, I eventually got rid of my MV2, got a smartphone, got that huge phone bill, and then went back to my MV2. But on my MV2, I had risk. And I would just like be like uh, at work and be like, I got to go take a dump. <laughs> go play risk in the bathroom. <laughs> go take a dump on this other player. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, I would just play the single player like against AI all the time. How, and, uh, how does it simulate the, the game on your non-smarty phone? Oh, it did really well. But like, is it is it visual? Is it like graphics, or yeah, is yeah, it like yeah. army to press one? Yeah, <laughs> no, no. This was like so. This was like you know, pre-smartphone. You still had stuff like the razor and a bunch of other stuff with like pretty decent. I had one. There was an Assassin's yeah. Creed game for flip phones for a really long time. Yeah, Price. I had a Metal Gear game. Yeah, yeah, it was like full three D. But yeah, so like I would play that all the time. And when I got a smartphone, the first thing I was like, I was like, I gotta get Risk. Where's Risk? And they just never had an app. And so the other day I was like checking out Chromecast apps and one of them was Risk. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) and so I got my time. (laughs) I've been playing a lot of Risk. Uh, My girlfriend's actually been like, I wish that you wouldn't play that game. (laughs) It's like, I will be like, I'm in the middle of a game. It's like, (laughs) I wish you loved me as much as you loved Risk. (laughs) And so, like, I've been playing that a lot, and that's been really great. This is the first time I've, like, played against people online with Risk, and that's really interesting. Because, like, I mean, like, I I would just, it would just be, like, my idle game to play Risk against AI. Because, like, I just knew how the AI worked. And so, I would just, like, win every game. Um, So, now that I'm playing against people, it's a lot more interesting. You get a lot more interesting little situations. Like, there were a bunch of people, uh, they were, like, fighting over the horn of South America. And they just like for context, Will is pointing at my map again. Yeah, <laughs> and so like on a traditional risk board, like that was like a pretty nonsense area because like you could only get to South America through Mexico or Panama, I guess. The Central America. Yeah, uh, or through Africa. Um, Wait, what? There's a yeah. There was like a there's like there's like there's not like newer routes. versions only, but it's there is like a, a ship route from yeah. So yeah. I mean, there's ship routes on the original one, but they're pretty limited. Like okay. so, South America only has two entry points, but on there's like a, a a different map on this newer version where yeah, there's like all these different shipping routes and Risk Legacy so, fixes up a lot of these like you know, yeah choke points that you really can't get through right. And so like both South America and um, Australia. Or New Holland, as I think your map is trying to say. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Uh, they're both like they're both like really good to have in the original risk because like nobody can get to it because there's like you can have like two territories and gain pretty meager armies each turn, but like you only have to defend against three points, so it's pretty nice. I always like stuck into Australia and then just uh, built up there because yeah. no <laughs> one can invade. get through Madagascar. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, well, not Madagascar. The 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 top of Australia is like three parts, and there's yeah. only you can only get through like the top part of it. Borneo, maybe something like here. that. Malaysia, yeah, right. So like, I just I always started there if I could, or at least took that as fast as I could, and you just build up lots of armies, so no one can penetrate it, and then start building up through Australia until you have enough to just steamroll Asia. Yeah, yeah. and eventually, like people are just like people 
will start off and be like, oh, great, here he goes. But then you just do that every turn and people don't care. And eventually <laughs> they're just like, forget him. But yeah, so they were like really going after this like, I guess like Argentina or something. Southerner America? Yeah, the South South America. And so they were like amassing armies. And I was like on the ropes. Like I had no troops. I was just like waiting for one of them to go after me. But they were just so concerned with that that I just started taking all this territory in the Northern Hemisphere. And it was like so ridiculous because they just like, it was like they they had like the sunken cost fallacy where they were just like, oh God, he's really taken over up there. <laughs> but like, what can we do? All of our troops are down here. And it's like, well, just move your troops up there and like take me out. Like you could take me out. But they were just like, no, I must have Argentina. <laughs> and so they just like completely lost the game because they were like super into Argentina. I love that you use sunken cost fallacy that yeah. was great yeah it was so great <laughs> i've never played risk as, I, as i've said uh, before i don't think it's the greatest game but i'm just like way into it you want to play we should play a match yeah on your on your game yeah oh, you can, I'd be I, in. I think i think it's free the app is free and i think we could play on a tv or something oh so. nice yeah we I should try it out sometime i need to if i'm gonna make all these game suggestions <laughs> game date suggestions i need to actually follow through on one of them <laughs> But yeah, and then I also um, got like one of the recent Humble Bundles. Oh, the Humble Bimble. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I got uh, Run Gun Jump Gun where like... Uh, oh, Mega Man. Yeah. Well, no, so like, so it's basically like you jump by shooting down and then you can shoot forward and that's it. And so like it's like an auto scroller and there's all these collectibles and stuff. And so you have either have to like shoot down to get higher or shoot up shoot forward to like destroy stuff yeah i really like the the design of that game like how it it looks so good it looks really good but i mean you it's funny because sam recommended that game to me for for peak for studying oh yeah and i just like how it's a relatively simple mechanic but you can do so many different permutations of it right it's like all right we're gonna make a jump really quick oh no there's a flying enemy or something yeah destroy that really quick oh you're falling gotta fly again yeah so that's really cool, and the the, the death animation is really cool because it like makes this cool little trail back to your last tra- checkpoint that looks oh, really nice. It's really pretty. Like rewinds time. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. There's like faded versions of you. Like it, it just saves like the previous frame, but it does it for like 20 frames. So it's like, and it's got kind of like a um, kind of like a Hotline Miami vibe to it, where it's just like super saturated colors and everything's kind of like, it's crazy. Um, still playing Time Bomb. Time Bomb, nice. And then Gunbrick was also in that uh, humble bundle, I think. And Gunbrick is like a game by a company Nitrome that does like a lot of flash games and stuff. Hmm. And that's it's a fun game. You're just in a box, and one side of the box is like shielded, and the other, the opposite side of it, is a gun. And you can just like roll the box and shoot. And shooting, you know, you can like in run gun, jump gun, you can shoot to go up. But you can also like if you're on your side and you shoot, you can scoot over. So like (laughs) it's a lot of like cool action-y puzzle stuff. And the soundtrack's like super good. Cool. I've been playing Disney Crossy Road. No, jeez. I I have. I've, (laughs) I've actually still been playing Disney Crossy Road and still been getting my characters do you have beauty and the beast yet uh i think i got enchanted bell 
which is Belle in her golden dress. Oh. Um, is there that should be f- enchanting Belle. Maybe it's, it's not really enchanted. I, mean, I thought it was made with magic. Well, no, that's uh, what, maybe that's, I haven't seen the movie in a while. That's Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> Sleeping Beauty's dress was made by the fairies. All oh, right. Does yeah. it have anything from Atlantis or Treasure Planet? <laughs> no, but now that you said that, Jesus fucking Christ, why doesn't it? Yeah, I'm no longer interested. Oh. <laughs> Oh god, Sorry. those are secretly the best Disney those movies. Those are the two best Disney movies. <laughs> Have you ever seen the second Atlantis movie? Uh, regrettably. That was that was easily that was just them trying to like market it as a TV show and it never went through. It's kind of cool though <laughs> that they're like dealing with all these different mythologies, like the part where they're like fighting the guy that thinks he's Odin. That, that was, was- cool cool. like you could tell that it was like it was like in in the movie was in thirds and you're just like oh they were trying to make a tv show i didn't go through yeah might as well add on like an extra scene at the beginning and end make it a movie about them (laughs) going on adventures you just watch stargate that's what those movies always reminded me of i see that stargatey i just watched the cinemasins for pirates 4 oh yeah Uh, because I just wanted to see what Pirates 4 looked like without <laughs> having to seek it out because Pirates 5 just came out in theaters. Largely skippable. Yeah, I mean, it was fine. It was cool. Who's the guy? Who's the actor who plays Blackbeard? He's in American Gods. He plays Mr. Wednesday in American Gods. Uh, he's mm-hmm. a cool actor. Uh, Steve Buscemi. Yep, yep. Steve Buscemi is Blackbeard. <laughs> Hello, fellow pirates. <laughs> the- <laughs> <laughs> Somebody at Disney is kicking themselves right now. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Why didn't we ever get him? I didn't know uh, Jack Sparrow's dad was Keith Richards. <laughs> oh, that really? Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, why? Like, why does this guy look like half dead in this movie? It's like, oh, it's Keith Richards, and he's actually he's a vampire, half dead for most of his life. He's been getting <laughs> blood transfusions from young, healthy people for like <laughs> ever. The uh, but Pirates Five. Has Paul McCartney in it playing Jack Sparrow's uncle? It's fantastic. No fucking way. God, look at this promo picture of Paul McCartney in Pirates 5. Let me find it. Holy shit. That's pretty exciting. You just know Keith Richards rang up Paul McCartney. He was like, Paul, do you want to make some extra money? (laughs) (laughs) I got this sweet lucrative deal for you. Bam, check it. Oh, wow. Paul McCartney. That's pretty goofy. As Uncle Jack in Pirates wow. of the Caribbean. He looks... Dead Man Tell No Tales. Yeah. He looks way younger than that than he does in like any other picture. <laughs> you know, he's, he's like, oh, finally, I get to, to practice my acting once more. <laughs> After that wonderful Hard Day's Night movie. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I watched the, the first Pirates the other day. First Pirates is good. Well... You break my heart. So, like, the first, like, 45 minutes to an hour is, like, maybe one of the best movies, like, period. I love it. Love it. But then as soon as they bring in, like, the ghost pirates, it's, like, way too camp. It's, like, it's, like, a ride in Disney World or something. (laughs) Hmm. It's almost like it was based on a ride in Disney World. (laughs) So, instead of being, like, ooh, it's a ghost ship, they're just, like, (laughs) hey-ho, you know, like. (laughs) <laughs> we are the ghost pirate crew yeah like it's li- at us, they literally you. do that like there's like a song and dance number when they go out on the like deck and see every all the bones oh, oh yeah and it's just like i mean like it'd be, it be it turns into lay miz but with <laughs> <laughs> undead yeah. people 
I so really, then, really like the second and third the most, but I'm a huge Bill Nighy fan, like whatever he's in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like his Davy Jones performance. And just Davy Jones as a character is probably one of my favorite characters, period. Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah. He got this weird, like, voice, like, mannerism. He plays the shit out of whatever role he gets, man. He's just, like, 110%. And just the fact that he did it almost entirely in, like, nothing but a, like, gray blue dot bodysuit the entire time. (laughs) Have you you seen the bodysuit for Beast in Beauty and the Beast? No. They they showed, well, I think they took the video down somewhere, but there is a video of them doing, like, the ballroom dance scene, (laughs) but without any CG. So it's this guy, you know... I don't know, he's probably like six foot or something, but he's like in the bodysuit, but they have like puffed out the bodysuit. So all of his like arms and legs are like super crazy proportional. He has like super <laughs> huge cankles and just like, <laughs> just jo- he's just like kind of like stomping down the staircase with Belle. It's, and they're like, how did Emma, uh, what's her name? Emma Watson. Emma Watson. I was going to say Emma Watson, but I was like, is that a different actress? Uh, <laughs> like, how does she keep a straight face in this entire scene? <laughs> Man, because you have to. It's your job. Pirates of the Caribbean is one of the sets in uh, Disney Crossy Road. Oh, all right. I have James Norrington, one of my unlock characters, who I guess is the one of the privateers in the first movie. Uh, He's like the homeless-looking guy in the second movie because they kick him out of the British Navy. Uh, yeah, games. Yeah, games. All right. I just I like that the daily quests don't reset every day. So. Like, if I'm, like, three days into a seven-day daily quest streak, if I miss a day, it's okay. Like, I will keep, like, that oh, yeah, alone yeah. is, like, incentive enough <laughs> to keep playing it. Because it's 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 like being a drug addict. It's like, I can put down any time. It's fine. It's like, I can stop when I want to. <laughs> but it's like they somehow make it more incentivizing just by putting that little thing in. Yeah. And I like Disney. Yeah. Disney's cool. Uh, there's one of the because they have a haunted mansion set. One of the haunted mansion characters is just the buggy that you sit in on the haunted mansion <laughs> ride, and it just hops around. That's pretty great. Crossy Road is good at anything. It's just throwing in a crap ton of characters. Yeah, it's all the same controller. They're just making new blocky models and like tossing them in. And you know they're having like a a ball with that because they're like, okay, how do we convert Buzz Lightyear into this blocky uh, voxel look? Yeah. Or Mrs. Potts or mm. Lumiere. Uh, the I hate the Alice in Wonderland playset though, because it's all like three colors and it's like these very dingy blues and grays, and I just can't distinguish anything. That doesn't play yeah, like Alice in Wonderland like, much. It's the, the new antithesis. one, the 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 Johnny Depp one. Yeah, the Johnny Depp one. Yeah, that's the one they used. I, that feels like blasphemy that they're throwing out their old classic one. I mean, I say this as someone who like marginally enjoyed the new one. You know, I was in high school, but whatever. I haven't seen either. I haven't okay. seen them either. I think it's cool that they implemented a lot more of Lewis Carroll's stuff into it, like the yeah. Jabberwocky. Yeah, yeah. I think that's super cool. Or like they have to find the Vorpal Blade or something in one right, of them. Right, yeah. I think that's awesome. But I heard those movies aren't like that great. It's it's like a little, it's a little bit like, a, what is it, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? The that's what most recent of. one. Yeah. yeah, where it's like, it's more Johnny accurate. Depp one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the John- just don't let him touch anything. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's like way more accurate to the book, and you could tell like the writer would probably have appreciated the newer one more for that. But uh, you know, every, everyone charm. just wants the charm, yeah, right. from like the old ones. The uh, he's in, he's going to play the Invisible Man in Universal's monster movie universe. 
Oh, are they rebooting that? You didn't hear about this? No. So they're taking all their monster movie franchises and they're making a cinematic universe out of them. Oh, God. Like Frankenstein <laughs> and the mummy? And yeah, so Javier, what? what's his, who, the guy from No Bourdain? Country for Old Men? Bourdain. Is that what his last name is? Javier Bourdain, I think. He's going to be Frankenstein's monster. Um, the, That new mummy movie with Tom Cruise in it? Oh, is God. the first uh-uh. movie is there no Iron Man? No fucking way! Yeah, <laughs> oh. yeah. Oh man. Uh, um, Russell Crowe is Doctor Jekyll, and he's in the that Mummy movie. Okay, you could do that. It's called the Dark Universe. Is the name of their cinematic universe? More like Dork Universe. <laughs> it sounds interesting. Who's Dracula? I don't know. I don't know who the Wolfman is either. There, okay. there's like some Entertainment Weekly photo shoot and had them all together. So it's going to be The Mummy, and then the next one they're doing is Bride of Frankenstein, which is going to have Frankenstein. Doing the bride first? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. and a, It's a bold move. Bold move. I like it. And, and this is like, dark universe. Welcome, welcome to the world, Bride of Frankenstein. And she's like, oh, cool. Who's Frankenstein? And they're like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, then who are you the bride of? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is the Bride of Frankenstein the bride of the doctor? No, it's no, it's just no. the bride of the monster yeah. Frankenstein. So why not just... Well, the monster... It's just the monster. Bride of Prometheus. Bride of the monster. Bride of the modern Prometheus. Yeah. Man, uh, Robert De Niro, great monster Frankenstein, Frankenstein monster. Why did he play Frankenstein's monster? In the Mary Shelley's. How old is that movie? Uh, it came out when I was like maybe like 10. So it's like. So like 1900. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> past, in the past century. In the past. <laughs> the past millennium. Yes. Uh, cool. What are we talking about? I played. Uh, <laughs> I played um, at Mason's graduation. That one of his family members had a Switch. Mm. I played Super Mario Kart. Super Mario Kart. Mario Kart Eight Deluxe. Yeah. Uh, which is cool. It's Mario Kart Eight it has an actual respectable battle mode. So yes, big ups. Um, I didn't play much of it. it was uh, like the sole reason I didn't play any of the original Mario Kart Eight. I was playing. I was missing the one mode that I play. I was playing with one of my old uh, teammates from crew and he uh, we were playing like a four or four race circuit. I was trailing him by like half a dozen points. And at the very end, I just like we played. We were like, what, what's the final course going to be? We we're like N64 Rainbow Road. I'm like, awesome. And we played it. <laughs> and I forgot that Rainbow Road is segmented. It's not lapped. So there's just segments through the course. It's like, all right, you did the first lap, and then here's the second segment. That's the second lap, third segment, third lap. Oh. And we forgot that. So I was in first. I was like, all right, got to come into the to the next lap. And I just hit the the lane or hit the, the finish line, and it was the finish line, not like the lane end line. It was like, you won! I was like, well, that was kind of like underwhelming. <laughs> I, was, I was expecting this big like gonna come in gonna bank the corner it was like here's the second lap i'm gonna bank the corner again third lap i win it's like nope you just won because <laughs> you weren't keeping count of the lanes or the rounds huh. or the laps whatever the word is it's one of those goddamn parlance <laughs> oh the arms uh test fire is going on yeah i wanted to ask if you were gonna play that i meant to yesterday but we have D every friday so i missed it so um, is it i knowing nothing about this game i haven't seen any gameplay of it like i haven't seen any okay yeah i know i know like how it works like i know that it's a it's a one one v one fighting game but does it use motion controls yes okay so well you can actually use a controller but apparently you miss some of the nuances that come in from like the angle of how you tilt your your uh joy con 
is determines like how far your punch your punch curves so you can like go around their attacks and like try and so apparently there's like a lot of really cool nuanced movement to it people like first impressions that i were reading were that people were sort of on the fence about how dedicated you have to be to your moves uh-huh. you have to like you punch and i mean your your punches travel slowly they're on big spring arms and it gives your opponent like enough time to react just on the verge it's apparently very methodical for a fighting game. It's not very balls to the wall. It's very just like tense and uh, mind gamey, which is something that I enjoy. So it seems like an extension of the Wii Sports boxing game, and in, in some ways, yeah. Like, what if we could take that and make it an actual game and not just something where you flail yeah. controllers back and forth? And, and, and <laughs> I, I mean, that, the, the enjoyment of that game is going to be completely determined by how good the motion controls are. Right. If, right. If the motion controls are shit, it's just so I'm a little worried about that, but I so far haven't seen anyone saying like the motion control suck. It's mostly been just like it's it's very very focused. Cool. And I think that sounds good for a fighting game core. I want to give it a try. I like that. It's it's weird. This I think they were talking about on the bombcast, but there's weird this new era of new Nintendo franchises. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like with Splatoon and Arms. Like they don't feel like there's no character. Like it's like generic squidling or inkling or oh, I guess there's no mascot. Yeah, there's okay. no like I thought they were uh, saying yeah, like yeah. there's no like charm like, to uh, it. No, 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 no. <laughs> like there's no there are no there are no easily identifiable characters. Like there's more okay. characters in like in uh arms because like you're picking well, a character. Callie and Mary became like pop idols in their own right in Japan. So Who are those? The the two they're like the Split main kids. characters of Splatoon. Okay, yeah. I know, I know they were named one. When you start was... up the game every day, how Splatoon one worked was their server basically picked a like two maps and a game mode like every hour. So if you it was it was weird. I don't know if people really liked it, uh, and I might be sort of generalizing, but it was uh, when you start up the game, you got this news flash from the sisters who were just like, and here's what's going on right now. And then if you come back to the lobby in an hour, they had another news flash that took like five minutes of your time mm-hmm. to show you like, here's the level we've got now and like the game of playing now. I never played Splatoon 1. Okay. Um, so I didn't, I thought it was just generic inkling girl, inkling boy. <laughs> so in the world, they're actually like superstars uh, in the story of Splatoon and they're, they're pop singers uh, like, half the soundtrack is their songs that they made with the squid language They're actually really good um and they performed a concert using the same hologram technology as like hatsune miku does huh yeah as the the squid sisters interesting to see that yeah i feel like i give it 50 years before japan like the island just like emerges out of the ocean on rockets and just like goes into space <laughs> or just like some like maroon ship like is like oh man we're way off course but it's okay we're gonna hit japan in like a second and they just never do and they're like what and it's like oh it was a hologram the whole time <laughs> oh shit japan never existed there was a, there's like a weird anime that's like that where like I, like japan becomes like super inclusive again and everybody's like Oh man, they really like cut themselves off from the world, but it looks like they're doing good. And then like some like special forces goes in to see what's up, and like Japan's just like a complete wasteland that's like projected this hologram of like we're good. <laughs> Jeez, I don't remember what it, what it was. Holy I think it was like a three D. It was a pretty funny movie. That's pretty depressing. I, yeah, I guess it was more depressing than funny. 
You have a morbid sense of humor, Will. <laughs> oh, they had like, it was like some kind of like crazy, like gray goose situation where there were like these giant robot snakes that devoured everyone or something. Oh, cool. Nice. You know, yeah. the usual. Yeah. Whatever. In, in mainland Japan. <laughs> right. But they couldn't cross water, but now we've given them a boat and now they can't. <laughs> <laughs> just this gray goose snake just with a, hat, a sailor hat on. <laughs> Steamboat Willie driving. Uh, and then the last game I've been playing is the game of Ethereum, boys. Oh, the hot geez. world of Ethereum trading. I don't know what that means. So, uh, it's the new Bitcoin. Oh, friend, really? Yeah. I've actually had a friend try to get me into this. So my my boss, Matt, he uh, he bought like 100 units at different varying prices. Because mm-hmm. like a month and a half ago, it was like 50 bucks or something. Maybe even less. It was like 30 bucks. He's up 10 grand. Jeez. Ooh. Yeah. So how do you actually like sell that and get that money back then? So there's there, there are exchanges. Um, I think the most popular or respected one is Coinbase, which is the one I use. Okay. Yeah. So you go on there. And there's a current value of it, uh, which when I went on, it was like a little south of $200, but with like the, the there's like a purchase fee. So you give me their, your credit card information or your bank account. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Why <wins>? not? <laughs> it's the brave new world. Yes. Uh, whatever. You've made more no, illicit yeah. purchases. Than <laughs> no, yeah. I, no, I definitely, I use Coinbase for my Bitcoins now. Yeah. Uh, and my uh, human trading. Um, the uh, <laughs> I like how you called it human trading. <laughs> you know the um. So and then and then to cash out, you have to give me uh, PayPal. You so you connect your PayPal account to it. So you purchase using bank information, and then you sell using your PayPal. And it's, it works just like like a uh, stock exchange, right? Where it's just like here's your current price. Here's like you can you can do like quick i forget what the terminology is but you can do like quick market trades um there's an app so like a, a month and a half ago it was around like 30 40 50 dollars right it's now at 200 or now it's more like 160 150 but it exploded and it just crumpled the coinbase site because people were like trying to buy it while it was rocketing up wow. and but it crashed the site it didn't crash the api so if you use the app you could still by uh ethereum but so how ethereum works how it's different than uh than regular cryptocurrency is that ethereum uses its blockchain to basically decentralize information um so like if you've been watching the most recent season of silicon valley uh richard Hendricks wants to build a new internet quote unquote <laughs> by like decentralizing data right so like you store part of the internet on your phone with like ex- excess data and that's what ethereum would do is that ethereum and ether which is like the actual currency that ethereum kind of trades in which is like computing power and storage and information would decentralize information so you if someone queries a website to have a web page served to them the web page instead of being uh hosted on a central server one bit of the web page is hosted on everyone's phones local to him and then serves it and then pushes it to him that's crazy yeah so it's increases security, increases server speeds, things like that. But yeah, it's uh it's been blowing up. It's down now, but it'll probably surge back up. But it's kind of like a long game. Apparently, it's projected to be like at five hundred per unit at the end of the year. How much is it now? Two hundred. Or no, it's it's like one sixty now. That's too much for my blood. Yeah. 
I just bought I mean, one. Yeah, I, I'll I'll probably get in on it because like uh, I bought ten dollars worth of Bitcoin when it was like four hundred, and then when it was like eight hundred, I was like, hell yeah, I'm getting ten bucks back. And so I got <laughs> I still had ten bucks. Now I got forty bucks in my Coinbase. So Ooh. don't mean to brag, but I'm popping doing off pretty good. <laughs> yeah, when you start buying like tenths of the the currency, that's when I'm like, man, this is this is weird. Oh, I have like. Yeah, like a few thousandths of a Bitcoin. So it was a good Gizmodo article up a couple of days ago about a guy talking about how he bought Bitcoin. He bought like fourteen hundred Bitcoin when it was like that amount cost him like twenty five dollars, mm-hmm. and then he put it in cold storage. Is when which is when you migrate the currency off of the your exchange provider because like when Mt. Gox got hacked like Mm -hmm. everyone a bunch of people lost their bitcoin because people just had access to it because all it is is just a public and private key and they just took all the public and private keys and sent it somewhere else uh so you can move it off of there into cold storage is like a hard drive you can have like a paper version which is just a qr code uh, and then you have to hold on to that he had it on this hard drive and then at some point he like threw out his hard drive (laughs) because he was done with it and now it's worth like 4.8 million dollars oh no he was like you know i can only be so upset about it but, you know, still hurts. <laughs> Could be a millionaire, but whatever. <laughs> if only I was a millionaire right now. But yeah. I just, I, yeah, I bought one unit at around $200. And I'll just let it ride. See, see it ride, where boys. it goes. If it keeps going down, I might buy one or two more and just have it. I'm afraid of how little I understand it is the thing. I think if it was something that I could sort of grasp the concept of a little easier. And it's just like economics. Like you'll never. (laughs) (laughs) It's a prime the pump. Alex, you got to prime the pump. Jeez. 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 (laughs) (laughs) They're using those words again. Just just put 10 bucks in. That's what I did. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll look into a little further at some point. Anything else guys? William. Uh, I got a new. I got a Raspberry Pi three. Oh, good, good. Got my Retro Pi set up crazy now. Um, got my other Raspberry Pi just for Pico eightness. Pico Pi. Yeah, probably gonna make a little cabinet. Cool. For fun. For fun. Alex. Uh, Anything else? Where can people find you, Alex? People can find me on the Twitter. On the tweetser. Uh, at Godan, G-H-O-D-A-N underscore or Braindeer Games. Actually, if you search Braindeer Games, probably more things come up, like the itch page and whatnot. So I'm there. Still working on getting a website up. That might happen soon. Might not. Uh, <laughs> if you need help, yeah. let us know. <laughs> um, let's see. And I'm trying to think if there's like anything else. How'd your uh, uh, your Bloom Dari game go? Uh, it, How was the response? Dude, I, I posted my, um, my, my postmortem. Like a day before the blog posts got taken off the front page, oh. so I was yeah I was like kind of popular for a little bit there. I didn't get any comments, but I got like a couple hearts. Um, I but I was sort of gushing about how I somehow got twenty sixth over like a sea of you know a little over a thousand compo games. Oh, awesome! I didn't know you were up that high. Yeah, I didn't either. And I seeing as I kind of like gave up. I I was just like I don't have time to like play Ludum Dare games. My fence like. Or, doing stuff around the house i mean the dad's going through rough time uh so we're like 
I'm, I'm like got a lot of life stuff going on. So right. it's like I didn't have any time to go into Ludendari and play all the games I really wanted. Like I wanted to be part of a community better. And I think half of my post modem is just me like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so well, sorry. Well, apparently Will played zero <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and still came in fifth overall. So <laughs> yeah. apparently it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. No. Nothing matters. Everything's that, that, that Kotaku article. That's yeah. what that does. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I... Uh, yeah, the fact that I got 23 ratings by the end of it kind of surprised me, and I was just really happy that I got as high as I did, all things considered. It Wait, so you came in 23rd, but you also had 23 ratings? I came in 26th. Oh, 26th. Okay. Yeah, 26th overall. I My highest is I got 15th in mood. Cool. Uh, What'd which you is, get for graphics? Uh, actually, I think that one might be in like the hundreds. That's crazy. I I think I got I definitely saw a trend towards the end of my comments chain of people going like this these these graphics blinded me. I am blind uh, now. Thanks. <laughs> they are very bright. Very bright. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of yeah. blue, lot of bloom lighting in that game. So I feel like I got some low graphics ratings towards the end maybe. I thought, that, I thought it was gorgeous. Great. Yeah, I mean, I did too, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Graphics was the highest I was rated and I got somewhere in the hundreds. Maybe nice. like 150, 160. Got like 312 overall. Nice. <laughs> I was like, hmm. Oh, well. Hey, you're on the right side of the bell curve. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because how many were there? A thousand something? Yeah, a thousand. In the, in the compo? A little over a thousand. In the composition? <laughs> in the compost? Right. Cool. That, that, was, that was a good good little dare. That was the first time I've ever played a jam where there was like a very strong sense of community to it. And yeah. I, like I said, like my only regret is I wish I could be a little more ingrained in that. But it was the first time I've ever been streamed uh first time i've ever been let's plays i mean that was oh cool. I, meant, I meant to bring up did you see in nick and joe's let's play of your game that they like broke that house yeah without being big and i was like well what <laughs> so i that also happened in the stream uh that i watched and i was just like aware of it but didn't want to make a ton of changes to my to my little dare game before like judging is ending so i'm gonna try and go back and fix a couple bugs that i've noticed now um Streamer also like grew really big inside the staircase of the lighthouse and clipped through the game and like fell into the. Oh game. really? Yeah. <laughs> nice. So <laughs> that's great. <laughs> he was he was a good sport about it and and like picked it back up and like finished it, but it was still really like ah uh, jeez. <laughs> cool. Physics volumes changing in real time that causes lots of problems. Miss Crow. Miss Crow. I Miss Crow. Uh, threw into the bottom of my postmortem just because i think uh it was asked on the let's play um that is my poorly translated mashing of the greek words for small and island so nisi and micro are, are just huh. that's been my go-to for most game jams is poorly translated gibberish <laughs> uh it's really it's good when that's people like want to google search works. it yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool so will where can people find you um Right here in this room. Yeah. Uh, I guess <laughs> on Twitter, X0101011. 01010111. That's how you remember. That's <laughs> the only way. 01011. 01011111. 01011111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111111
I I've been trying to look into that myself. It's, I think um, that's why I'm taking so long. Yeah, so so that's that's kind of what's been the problem is I've been just been like, there's so many words I need to learn, <laughs> and then I was just like, I mean, I can do PHP. So <laughs> cool. Been learning Laravel lately. That's really nice. What is that? It's this incredibly clean, smooth framework for building web apps. Huh. Yeah, I check it out. It's, it's kind of just fun to tinker with. I've been using it for work because they got me on a Laravel project, but it was uh, the learning process was smooth as hell, and I'm actually enjoying using it in my free time. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you can check those guys out, and you can check out this podcast and all of Ward Games games at <laughs> ward-games.com games. Slash game. <laughs> slash game. Slash game. It is, I think it is a slash games. <laughs> uh, thank you, Alex. Of course. For coming on. Always love having you on. Thank you for having me. Will. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> Maybe next time. <laughs> Maybe next time we'll figure it out. <laughs> I'll, I'll nail it next time, I promise. <laughs> Better. Shape up. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Peace. Thank you.